Once upon a time, in a far-off kingdom, there lay a small village at the edge of the woods. I wish... And in this village... More than anything... Lived a young maiden... More than life... More than jewels... A carefree young lad... I wish... More than life... And a childless baker... I wish... With his wife... More than anything... More than the moon... I wish... Hey, good morning, friends, pals, buddies, chums. It's the Boy Hattie Podcast. That's right, it's the time when we talk to y'all about some pop culture detritus. And it is me, Annie, speaking to you now. Also speaking to you is Mr. Mudrin, Bill Mudrin. What the hell is Carol Price of Salt? Why, it's something that we'll talk about during the podcast, <laughs> I'm already it? jumping ahead, so... Uh, at the end of the podcast, we're going to do uh, a little retrospective of our favorite things that we, uh, games, movies, and TV shows that we liked in 2014, and then we're, we're just going to look ahead to the same stuff that we're looking forward to in 2015. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just looking at Annie's notes, and there's a couple things I'm like, what is that? You zeroed in on the one thing that I think we don't share, the one thing I actually have something interesting to Yeah, well, about. that'll be an interesting conversation to talk about later. So, Bill, hey, I'm not complaining. Let's talk it about just, the It's just funny it when you say one of my most anticipated things of next year is a, is a person's name. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, what's up? What'd you do? Bill, uh, what were you up to this week, my friend? Man, I, I finally sat Into the Woods yesterday. Yeah, so Man. here's Bill's background, Bill, Into the Woods. Bill really likes Into the Woods. I am not a musical person, but I really do like Into the Woods. Into the Woods is probably my favorite movie no, well, it's it's never really been a movie before. It's always been a stage play, but this is, the, I guess, this is the first movie adaptation of Into the Woods. It's a Stephen Sondheim joint, and up until now, uh, the only version that's been available on on video was just like a 1991 recording of the original Broadway cast, like Bernadette mm-hmm. Peters and stuff. And I, that's the version I've always been familiar with, yeah. and. I love that fuck. I have no idea why I fucking love that play so much. The first time I showed it to Dylan. After we were done watching it, she turns to me and she's like, I know why you like that so much. It's about finally growing up and learning how to take responsibility for your own bullshit. And I was like, yeah, yeah I guess maybe that's why I like it so much. Because <laughs> I am an irresponsible motherfucker. Um, so, yeah. So, the, I finally saw the movie yesterday because I was dreading going to see it because, I, like I said, I like the uh, the original stage play so much. And yeah. it was actually not that bad. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Emily Blunt was. Oh my God. Between that I and Edge of say, Tomorrow, that sounds like damning with faint praise. But I know that with the high estimation you have of that show, that well, that's especially good. her. She her. She's essentially almost. She's one of the two main characters. It's her and right. her husband are the two main characters of the story. And even in the original stage play, the lady who played her, Joanna. I think it was Joanna Gleason, the lady's name is. Uh, That original lady who originated that role on the original Broadway show was super fucking awesome. So Emily Blunt had a lot to live up to just performance-wise because she has to do a lot of singing in that thing. And she's actually a pretty good singer. I've I've seen some reviews slagging on her. And I was like, she's good. And she's funny. And she actually brings a lot of warmth and humanity to the show. She's one of the best. Her performance is one of the best things in the movie because she, like... she's one of the few characters in in the movie version that actually kind of feels like an actual human being and not just like i'm a character who's singing all the time yeah and uh, but yeah it was was pretty good the the, the big problem with into the woods is that i think the original stage play uh, is about three hours long yeah and so they had to squeeze this down into a two-hour movie 
And the weird thing is the format of Into the Woods, it's two acts. And the first act is all about these characters, all these uh, fantasy characters. It's like Cinderella and mm-hmm. Jack and the Beanstalk mm-hmm. and uh, this, this Wicked Witch and this, yeah, this baker and his wife. Uh, they all live in this little fantasy, you know, children's book land of legend. And they all have these different wishes and stuff. There's all these wish fulfillment things. And so the first act of the play is just about them going off into the woods and trying to fulfill these own wishes, these wishes that you have. Uh, Emily Blunt's character uh, and her husband, who is played by the fat guy on Doctor Who, who had a baby? Do you remember this guy? Mm -hmm. Was it James Corden or something like that? They want to have a kid. And they find out from their next-door neighbor, who happens to be a witch, that the witch placed a curse on them so they can't have a kid. And so in order to reverse this curse, they have to go into the woods and collect these ingredients for this potion that the witch can use to lift the curse. And so the, and there's all these other characters have different reasons for going into the woods to do this kind of stuff. But by the end of the first act, everyone has succeeded in their thing. Like the, the baker and his wife, played by Emily Blunt and What's-His-Face, uh, they have their kid and everything kind of ends, ends like what you would expect. And suddenly the second act starts and all that shit gets fucked up. Mm-hmm. The, the, the whole second act of Into the Woods is about the repercussions of everything everyone had to do in the first act in order to f- fulfill their life dreams. All yeah. that shit comes back to haunt them, and everyone starts getting all fucked up. Half the cast dies in the second half of the movie. Everything it just goes to hell. And I really do think that they should have probably cut the whole second act and just made the movie the first act. A, it would have been fit into more into audience ex- expectations. Because looking on online reviews from people who have seen the movie, not like professional reviews, but just like sure. reviews on Amazon and stuff, a lot of people are like, I really like this movie, but the second half was so weird. Yeah. And uh, pacing-wise, it's really weird because the first act of the original stage play, there's a lot of weird like repetition stuff. It takes place mm-hmm. over the course of three nights uh, while these characters are running around in the woods. And each of the three nights, they kind of keep on repeating a lot of that, like reprising the same songs, but with like under slightly different circumstances and stuff like that. Which is fine when you've got the original stage play has three hours to kind of nestle that stuff into. When you squeeze everything down to that act is essentially one hour in the movie. Um, the three nights where, like, all the, there's all these reprisals of songs and melodies yeah. and stuff. It just gets really repetitive. Yeah, reprisals can work on stage because yeah. it's all, and on stage, it's all one contiguous moment. Yeah, Like, exactly. for all of the dimming lights and everything like that, it's all in one context. There are no scene breaks. There are no, you know, like, it's all, it all feels of a piece in a way yeah. that you can't replicate in film and without the, one contiguous the reprising shot. songs and stuff and kind of repeating things and kind of playing off of things kind of being repeated over and over again that's kind of a theatrical yeah affectation which yeah. when you've got a movie that's pre- like th- that is being presented as this more grounded realistic thing it yeah. seems more just like why why are they singing the same song again and it sounds like yeah. the same song and why is this being so repetitive why are we do essentially watching the same scene three times in a row i think you hit the nail on the head i think it is that expectation of it being grounded and real yeah that the other part of that is that they're riffing on kind of storytelling and fairy tale structure a little bit yeah exactly you know? and that's kind of half the point of end of the woods and it, and it, there's a, it being stephen Sondheim, there's a lot of kind of like riffing on theatricality in of itself yeah and that doesn't really translate to, to, to a movie that's... A, and specifically, this movie is trying to be more grounded. It's not trying to be... Yeah. It's not like the theatrical farce that even the actual stage play is going to be. And the other thing, too, because they took a three-hour play and condensed it into two hours, they actually kept most of the songs. They only mm-hmm. cut, like, two songs. 
But in order to squeeze everything down into two hours, they took out most of the talking. <laughs> and so the, there's already a lot of singing in the original version. If you take out all the talking between the songs, it kind of just turns into an opera, which yeah. is extra. Like, I saw a lot of people, like, t- their patients were getting fucking tested in the theater. A lot of people were walking out every time uh, someone started singing again. And uh, just because it was constant singing, at least, it, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but if that actually either cut the, cut the story in half... Or I actually just went ahead and said, fuck it, we're just going to make a three-hour movie. I th- The pacing, I think, would have made everything feel a little more naturalistic by yeah. kind of squeezing and compacting things down and taking out a lot of the actual scenes where the characters are just talking to each other and actually treating each other like human beings rather than just singing at each other. Yeah. It kind of takes a lot of the humanity out, and everyone just becomes a singing archetype, and it's hard to like get emotionally invested. Yeah. And so it wasn't bad. It's just, if it's weird to say that, if anything, I think they would have done better by actually uh, diverging from the original source material even more. Either, Like I said, either cutting the story in half or like actually re- like greatly reconfiguring at least the first half of the story so it's not quite as repetitive yeah. and sing-songy and stuff. But yeah. it's it's super pretty. It's 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 filmed mostly outdoors in natural sunlight, so it's got you know, it's got great costumes and cinematography and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple scenes in there, though, where because it's kind of presenting itself as this super kind of grounded version of these fairy tales, there's a couple bits, especially there's one scene where uh, Johnny Depp shows up, and it kind of turns into this weird Tim Burton kind of thing, where it seems like the guy directing it went like, oh, it's Johnny Depp, maybe we get a little Tim Burton-y with this thing, which doesn't kind of feel, it, it suddenly gets a little too disconnected from reality, because it suddenly yeah. tries to get theatrical, and it's really, and also Johnny Depp, oh my god, he's the fucking worst part of the whole fucking movie. Yeah. He cannot sing. And yeah. especially, the, like, the, the, the aesthetics of the whole show is supposed to be, like, this medieval fantasy kind of thing. But he shows up, yeah. he's dressed like a Tex Avery red, 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 yeah, was it, red like hot, hot riding hood wolf. Yeah. And it's not the same aesthetic, it's not the same vibe. It's like he's coming in from a whole different movie. Also, his makeup just looks really kind of stupid, and the kid, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's like he got, his costume and makeup was designed not by anyone else uh, who was, uh, related to the movie it's almost like he had his own people just kind of do his own costuming yeah. and thing like that and he just kind of walked and it's just it doesn't fit and he's his performance is pretty bad and uh but no it was that aside for like emily blunt's pretty awesome meryl streep she plays the witch she just is meryl streep i've never mm-hmm. seen a movie with meryl streep where she just wasn't just meryl streep just doing her her meryl streep thing which bums me out because it seems like uh the only awards that this movie is being nominated for and i guess now is kind of the movie award season it's all just meryl streep stuff and i'm kind of like yeah. man she's not that good in the movie gives emily blunt something emily blunt's uh, fucking awesome. how are anna kendrick and chris pine Anna Kendrick is fucking good. She's super cute. How could she not be she's, cute in that? She's pretty cute, she plays though. Cinderella, and she's constantly being chased throughout the whole movie by Chris Pine. And uh, there's this great... So one of the big show-stopping numbers in the musical is Chris Pine's character. He plays Prince Charming. And his brother, who's also... I guess he's Prince Charming number two, I guess. They have this whole song about how pretty much how much they want to fuck these princesses, including Cinderella. Yeah. And in the original stage play, it's just them kind of singing kind of like theatrically and kind of machismo-y. But it's it's kind of funny, but it's... I don't know. I, I was never a big fan of... of, of that musical number on the stage. But the movie is great because you have these guys standing on top of this waterfall at sunset, like, literally ripping their own shirts as they're talking about how how turned on they are by the, all these princesses and stuff. It gets into this crazy, like, mocking Fabio, kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm so sexy, but I'm also singing about sexy people and stuff. 
It's fucking hilarious. And Chris yeah. Pine. It's funny because he he's in the Star Trek movies. But this is one opportunity to get all, like, William Shatner about shit. Because, like I said, yeah. he's, like, tearing at his own clothes and, like, writhing on these rocks and singing this song. And it's just, like, it was fucking hilarious. It was actually yeah. one of the things that's better than the stage play. Yeah. Uh, it was goddamn cute. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I should ever recommend it to you because I know, well, you are a musical person. You just have very specific taste. Well, I do, too. Yeah. But our musical taste don't like, t- we don't, yeah, our taste don't overlap a lot. I've been criticized for this, and I accept it as real. I do tend to like more old school musicals. Yeah, you do, man. You are an old soul when it comes to musicals. And it, it not even only necessarily, like, not even literally old musicals, but like more traditional. Yes, yeah. are kind of my jam. You like? Hey, like everyone, a, let's go to the barn and put on a show, kind of musical. See, no, I don't believe in musicals that have shapoopies in them. No, I'm which not is saying you love shapoopies, but I'm just saying for a musical sequence. You like it but, when there's you like it if a marriage ends with like five weddings. <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense. My uh no, I tend to like I do tend to like more I, I feel like singing is such a it's like musicals are such kind of a hokey medium yeah. to have everything come to a stop so you can sing a song about how you're feeling and the song reflects your real feelings. Yeah. There is a degree of earnest like total sincerity lack of irony that yeah. like i feel like is required to just sign up for that premise to begin with yeah that i tend to like musicals that just go with that as opposed to being postmodern or um self-aware or knowing or like i tend to be like like it's it's kind of like a romance you know yeah. it's like at the end of the day a romance is about you know the flirtation the pursuit and the kiss and like that's sort of core of what a romance is, and anything that riffs on it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm having, see, that's I'm not why I could see you would hate well. Into the Woods because at least the first act is playing off a lot of that. It is kind of ironic and kind of like not poking fun of musicals, but it is kind of playing with the medium. It's not just straightforward. Here's a musical, but mm-hmm. towards the like the especially towards the end of it, the, the second act and everything like that, it gets super fucking earnest and really just open. Mm-hmm. This is everyone's just like just hard on their sleeves just man this is kind of a fucking bummer but really yeah. cool and uh, that's why i'm always kind of interested to see what your reaction to into the woods would be whether or not it would be the original stage play version that like i said that's on like on itunes right now or whatever or this new uh movie version but i don't know into the woods is one of those things where it's pr- personal enough to me that yeah. like whenever I try, I've tried to recommend it to somebody, it's one of those things you have in your life where it's like you want like like a piece of entertainment is kind of like a piece of yourself, your yeah. soul that you kind of be showing to someone yep. else, and it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I have had that moment. Like, there's some exactly there's some things where it's like you almost don't want to share or talk about. Yeah, because it's too personal. Yeah, like uh, if there there have been some times in my relationship with Foley where. Honestly, there have been, like, moments where it was, like, a weirdly fraught moment because of how she reacted to something that was yeah. really important to me and vice versa. It's like, like it's, yeah, it's like telling someone a secret and you're kind of worried about yeah. how they're going to react or something, you know. It's like, I genuinely don't want to hear anyone's opinion on Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah. I really don't. And I know I have some friends who actively dislike that movie like not even are like whatever on it actually hate it and think it is bad mm-hmm. and i'm genuinely i don't want to hear about it no, i have I no interest in hearing yeah. anyone's opinion this happens all the time on this podcast where i'm like i don't actually want to talk about you know yeah. uh 
Uncharted or Last of Us. I'm like, this is something that is very close to me. Yeah. You know? You've kind of digested it for yourself, and, like, there's no, no, there's nothing really to talk about. It just part- it's a treehouse, yeah. and I've pulled up the rung ladder, you know? <laughs> That's one of the things, because my housemate, she's really into fantasy stuff, and, and, like, you know, grim and once upon a time and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how much she wanted to go see Into the Woods. And uh, I told her, I was like, well, actually, I have the original stage play. You know, I have a DVD. I can show it to you sometime. And then I was like, oh, man, do I want to do that? Because if she doesn't like and starts ripping on it, I just might end up killing everyone in the room. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, I was like, I don't even know if I could even, some people, I don't even know if I could, like, hang out and watch it with them because I'd be afraid that, yeah. like, I just wouldn't watch. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. So. That is the worst part about sharing something with someone that's important to you is when they, instead of actually watching it and giving it their full attention, yeah. they just start ripping on it. I'm like, oh, oh, is that right, motherfucker? Oh, then go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's one of those moments where you say, here, watch this on your own time, and don't tell me about it. Yeah, and watch it. I'm going to take away your phone so you actually pay attention to it, not just have it on yeah. in the background, because there will be a quiz. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, like I, I said, it was, it was, it was not, I was expecting going in there being, I was expecting to get shotgunned in the face with sadness, but I actually came out, and there was one scene especially soon that one of the, one of the songs they did cut out from the musical, they don't, they it, you know, no one sings. It got cut out from the movie, but they do have, like, a little instrumental reprise at the end, and it's one of the most emotional. Mm. Actually, you can argue that, like, that song that they cut is actually kind of, like, half the point of the movie. Yeah. And they cut it out, but it's a super emotional thing about this guy, guy's dad being dead and stuff, and super, made me super sad. And, but, yeah, it, was, it, was, it could have been, yeah, I had a good time. I, I'm, I'm actually glad I went to go see it in the theater, even though, like I said, people kept on walking out of that movie in droves yeah. <laughs> as a as as when people started realizing it's a real musical not not well not even a real musical when people like when it first started you could tell people going oh shit this is a musical and then more people really when they started realizing that like it's gonna be like a wall-to-wall fucking singing yeah and like yeah i'm just like yeah it was it was, it was pretty rough but you know yeah so. well i'm glad you didn't hate it like, yeah, that's that's actually kind of nice. Yeah. All you can hope from an adaptation of something that is important to you is that it does it, it gives you something new to chew on. Yeah, and actually, at can... least, and this this gives us an opportunity to like, kind of like you just said, to turn the tables a little bit. Where I should make you watch this sometime, but then then we'll never allowed to talk about it again. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I I really feel that way. There are some things that are so close to me. It's like I don't actually want to talk. Like, Foley, I, the, the worst experience I ever had was when I showed Foley The Man Who Would Be King. And it's even hard for me to articulate why that movie is so important to me. It yeah. just really is, and I really love it. And I showed it to her, and I, she just she hated it the first time she watched it. Why'd she hate it? Uh, she just, it was not her game just, at all. Yeah, okay, not, okay, okay, I didn't know if there well, was a particular thing that turned thing. her off. I think she was viewing it in the context of my wife loves this movie. Yeah. And so, you know how when you, there's something, whenever you consume something where your context is, this is beloved by someone beloved to me. Yeah. You can't help but view it through the lens of them yeah. throughout. And a lot of times this adds to, to something. But in that case, the whole time she was going, is this what she likes about it? Is it that? <laughs> What the hell? The only part she can remember of that whole movie, the first time we saw it, was there is a point where um, one of them, and I I think it's, uh, I can't even remember if it's Michael Caine or Sean Connery, I think it's Michael Caine, is awoken by a woman standing over him, wafting her skirt at him to cool him, but the implication is that the scent of her feminine odors also wakes him. (laughs) And that was awful, I can remember. 
remember that whole movie. And I was so hurt. Man, for that to be something that, like, you love so much that that's kind of the takeaway Foley gets from it, I could see that just being, like, kind of heartbreaking a little bit. Now you know? she loves it, so. Uh, oh, what'd you do? Just, love. like, make her watch it so many times that she's obligated to go, I love this thing as much no. as you do. Opposite. The opposite happened. We watched it once. <laughs> she was weirded out by it. I was so deeply hurt that I never wanted to watch it again uh, until like a year and a half later when I was like, oh, I got the Blu-ray or something. And yeah. Yeah. Then fully wanted to watch it again and she likes it this time. So fully I'm telling Bill about how you hate it and then came <laughs> the man who would be king. Yeah. Pretty much. So, I mean, like I said, with an adaptation, all you can hope, you, it will never, it will never surpass your expectations or your hope of what it could be. Yeah, the and best, it most it can do is live up to your expectations, which yeah. is already kind of an unfair bar you're setting against that thing. It, like I said, it, in a perfect world, an adaptation just gives you something, it gives you a new perspective and something new to chew on, so I'm glad you got that from it. But you could stuff. actually, you could watch, it's not like the Sweeney Todd thing, where the Sweeney Todd, I didn't, like, I love that musical, and even then, like, I thought that was a shitty, shitty fucking adaptation. Violence and everything else aside, violence, casting, whatever the ver- yeah. that movie version is. But yeah, I, w- I would legitimately be curious to see what your what your opinion, either about this version or the original stage version of Into the Woods would be. So, Would you ever watch that someday? Probably not. Oh, I don't tend. See, even that. I don't tend to like filmed stage performances because I am yeah. too distracted by the bare bones limitations of that, and the fact yeah. that the cost costuming and sets for a stage performance are not designed to be caught on film up close. Especially this is and done on video in like 1991 theater, too, so yeah, it doesn't look like super but, beautiful or anything. It's like the difference between so there's a the Pirates of Penzance with Rex Smith and Clevin Klein and everything like that. There's a version of that, that you can see that was straight up filmed on the stage, like that's from the the run that that was from. Yeah. And then there's the movie version, and the movie version is made to look like a stage play, like everything is made to look like sets and everything. That's weird. But yeah. but it's done for film, and that looks very different. Very different. Yeah. So sometimes the the as someone from theater, it's too hard for me to watch something that is just straight up. I pointed a camera at a stage for a few hours. Yeah. See, I keep so on I, thinking like you might watch this someday just because hey, you're not you're not exactly you know you you were in the musicals and this does star Anna Kendrick and Emily. Oh, Blunt I'll, my point time. is, my point is, I'll probably I'll watch the movie version probably. Yeah. I will never watch the recorded stage version. I I need to make you watch the movie version while I'm in the room, but we're not allowed to talk to each other. <laughs> Just, we'll just have it'll it'll we'll screen it in like a confessional from a Catholic church. It'll have like to be something like that. Us. Well, like I said, the movie version isn't really the same thing. Like the 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 stage yeah. for the recorded stage version is such a different beast that I think we could hang out and watch the movie. Like we got, I wouldn't be that worried about your opinion of the stage of the movie version because, like I said, it's disconnected from the version that I love so much. It's not really that much of a big deal. Yeah. And but I don't know. Yeah. So but yeah, Emily Blunt. She's so goddamn cute. She's like fucking. She can sing. I don't know how yeah. much. I don't know if she was auto tuned or anything like that. But I'll, I'll ha- I, I will watch it at some point. Yeah. I'll she's that, my friend. man. Bill, if I may quote my favorite man, Mr. Bill Mudrin. What else? What else? Oh man, this is going to be useless to the people uh, just listening to the audio version of this podcast. Not that anyone. Oh man, no one's even watching the YouTube version of this. So why am I even showing this? But I've built my Lego snow speeder somebody awesome gave me for Christmas. How was it, Bill? It was fucking sweet. This this is a nice-ass little Lego thing. Yeah, I mean, I it's not much to look at when you're just looking at it over YouTube or something like that. Yeah. But it was one of those sets where, 
uh, while building it, I don't know what the fuck half the pieces were as I was constructing it. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, what the? I don't know. I'm putting pieces together. I don't know what this is going to be. And then suddenly I flip it over my hands and realize, oh, this is the canopy that opens. Yeah. Or, you know, the kind of stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that was really goddamn clever. It's one yeah. of those where it's kind of like magic in your hands where you're just kind of like yeah. sticking things together. And suddenly you're like, oh, I reckon that this is going to be like the half of the thing, you know. So yeah. because especially uh, rather this is uh, this. Uh, so Annie for Christmas, what this is, what I'm talking about is uh, one of the snow speeders from The Empire Strikes Back. And um, it was really weird because it's, you think that it would just be one like little construction thing. But no, it, it's actually three different pieces that you put together later. Interesting. And so, like, yeah, so when you're kind of constructing the three individual parts of the snowspeeder vehicle, mm-hmm. like, you're not quite sure. It's kind of an abstract thing. You don't know what the hell you're yeah. building. But then, I don't know, it's just really cool. And there's, like, moving flaps on it and, like, really, really cool stickers. And it shoots lasers that shot me in the chest as soon as I was finished building it. <laughs> Man, so, okay, everybody, here goes the Lego part of our podcast. Yeah, I, I oh, yeah, we should, Legos. oh, my God, yeah. And we haven't eaten, well, yeah. Uh, I also got some Legos and also built some, and it, man, Lego really amped up their firing mechanisms on some of their stuff. Some yeah. of the new Chima sets, which are where I get my animal parts for Oh, Benton. so you have, you're experienced with this too now? Oh yeah, well the Benton set had actually a piece that's brand new to Lego this year, so it wasn't even on your, your set, Bill. Oh yeah? Where it's like a little, a four by one brick that has like a, a thing in the middle that can shoot things. And it shoots things at high damn speed. Yeah, no, it's not. I thought it would be like a little, and like a little thing no. falls out. But no, this is like. I love the diagram in the in the Lego build guide thing, where there's like a little picture of a round kid with like his eye having been poked out. Yeah, I've by seen a that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So good. But yeah, anyway, but justifiably yes. so. They're not fucking around with that shit anymore. No, that, it will poke your eye out. I'm yeah. glad that we both wear safety glasses, Bill. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so my, uh, uh, Lego comes out with new sets on January 1st, and, uh, I had been keeping an eye on the Lego website to find out when the new sets were available or for sale. Specifically, I was excited about new Chima sets, but there is a Lego detective agency that came out oh, on yeah. January 1st that Bill and I have both been amped about. So, I get a phone call at 6.45 in the morning on, on January 1st. And I had this full range of emotions. At first, I was, like, fucking furious. Who the hell is calling me this early in the morning? 6.45! The year's only 6 hours and 45 minutes old! (laughs) And I pick up my phone, having missed a call, and I see that it was Bill. And then I'm just confused. I'm like, why is Bill calling me? Then there's a message from Bill saying, Hey, the new Lego sets are online! So I'm thrilled. I'm delighted. And, of course, because I'm a weirdo, and I spent, right as I was falling asleep on New Year's Eve, refreshing Lego store page, I have the detective agency page pulled up on my Chrome on my on my phone. Well, that's so the I thing, pull- yeah, because everyone is, was expecting all these sets on the Lego site to go live maybe at midnight, uh, if not midnight uh, Eastern Standard Time, at least here on the West Coast, but that never yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah. So that's why when I just happened to wake up at 6.30 in the morning, and uh, right between about um, two, I was checking my email uh, the first time I went to go to the Lego site, none of that stuff was still available. But when I went back and checked it like 15 minutes later, it was. So that's when I called you saying, hey, Annie, if you want in on this Lego stuff before it sells out, you should do it now. And so that's why I called you at 6.45, yeah. Yeah, no, and I'm glad you did, actually. But, like, the range of emotions. I know, yeah. Which is funny theory. because you never, you didn't even wind up using the site anyway. You just, yeah, you just, well, no. you, you got your story. Well, that's where yeah. I'm getting. Then the, my final emotion was, was frustration, was, was sadness, because they had a notice on there saying, hey, this is back-ordered. It will probably not ship for 30 days. 
And I was so heartbroken. I'm sure they were just covering their ass for yeah, no, that because I ordered a, uh, right after I talked to you, and all my shit—it's already been shipped. Everything, yeah. So it's so I rolled over to Foley, and I'm all forlorn and everything. And I explained to her what happened, and she just looks at me. She goes, "So we're driving to the Lego store," <laughs> and sure enough, we the Lego store opened at ten. So bless Foley. Drove me out to the Lego store. And I, I was a little apprehensive because I'm like, well, shipping schedules do not necessarily equal release dates. It's entirely possible that they had this set, these sets early. It's entirely possible they don't have these sets yet. I was like, maybe we can call and find out and then we'll drive out. But Foley was like, you know what? The time it'll take us to drive there. Let's just go. Yeah. We wound up getting there about 15 minutes after open and it was a fucking madhouse. I, sh- I don't know why I was surprised, but a January 1st Lego store... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, because they were coming out with a shit ton of product that day. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of Lego sets, uh, a lot of, like, yeah, creator and advanced sets. Well, and, from like, what I saw online, the, the, the two big things that everyone was going for, uh, it was the three big things. Uh, the first one was Frozen. There was a big Frozen set that I suppose, I guess, a lot of people have been looking for. The second one was there was a Star Wars Boba Fett ship, the Slave yeah, One, they came out with a new version of. And the third big thing being this Lego Detective Agency. That, yeah. But there was a shitload of other... If you go to Lego shop right now and look at everything that was just released on... Was it, what, Thursday, January 1st? They came mm-hmm. out with, like, like literally, like, good 50 different new products that day. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Like, uh, if you're involved in manufacturing at all, this shit is astonishing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awing how, what they do. But anyway, uh, it's so... We get there. Yeah, there's a line. It's not a huge store. There is a U-shaped line. Yeah, you showed you put you posted a picture on Twitter. It looked like a broom closet. There, there, there is a line spilling out the out the into the yeah, out into the mall. Out in the mall, oh, it was just crazy. So, and I of course I go in and I zero in right to where the detective agency is, and there is an empty shelf. And then I zero in on where the double decker couch from the Lego Movie is. And there's also an empty shelf. Oh my god. And I'm kind of heartbroken, but of course, needless to say, the Chima sets were untouched. <laughs> <laughs> That's good luck for you, yeah. So it was me Aww. and an eight-year-old boy whose mom was trying to help him pick a set, So uh, looking at the Chima. So the nice thing Chima. is that, so Chima is what I get for my animal parts for my, my Lego Western Town, and uh, they released all these, like, what they call them, like, build your army sets or something like that, where it's like... The the crocodile army, the bear army, the lion army, or just three minifigures and like a little a little weapon, which is how I got to experience my projectile. Yeah. But uh, uh, they're great because they're just like little starter kits for like ten bucks to get you three minifigures. So I was like, well, I'll just get one of each of these, and that's pretty good. I'll have twelve new bed nights. But I was so sad because I really wanted that goddamn detective agency. Yeah. So Foley and I are queuing, and there are all these assholes in front of us with the goddamn detective agency. And just like so... the, the agency tucked under their arms. Yeah, seriously. Oh man! And I'm just so mad. She just started and Foley throwing punches. Goes, Foley goes, can, have you, can you ask someone if there's any left? But every single salesperson is ringing someone out. There's no one available. And uh, so I just tell Foley to wait in line. I'm going to go check. I'm going to go look at some other sets. And I wander off. And I, I wind up by their stock room. And there is a pile of detective agencies in a box yeah. with a dude sitting next to it. And I knew that a five person, a five per person minimum. So I'm just stare, I look, stare at this guy. And I'm like, are those yours? And he goes, no. And I took one. And it was amazing. And I went back to line with like hearts and stars floating over my head. Foley looks so hopeful at me. And she goes, 
was there a double-decker couch, too? <laughs> so I go back to their stock room, and I'm just standing in their stock room door, glaring at the person unboxing stuff to put out of the, to restock. And I just look at this woman, and I go, are there any, are there any double-decker couches in there? <laughs> she opens the box that she is literally handling and just yeah. wordlessly hands it to me, and I go back. So, And I'm sure they probably spent the rest of the day pretty much selling stuff out straight out of the uh, the stock boxes, too. Seriously? Yeah, Once everyone else caught on to, like, oh, they, they probably did not even have time to get that stuff on the shelves. Yeah. Mm-mm. Man. So the cutest part was the dude in front of us in line was this cute gay guy. Who was waiting there to buy his Lego stuff? And we were just talking a little bit. Oh man, Sp- gay guys love into the woods. Two gay guys sat behind me. It was like a fucking cartoon. They <laughs> fucking, oh my god, they were along with the ride. It was me and those two, those two guys. We were having a fucking great old time. Anyway, back to your story. Uh, it was it was like it was it was pretty much who's the new gay guy on Parks and Recreation? It was pretty much him and his boyfriend sitting behind me going, "Oh my god." <laughs> anyway, yeah, go ahead. I'm glad you had someone game. With it you was, for that but it was, like I said, it was a cartoon because they were like, "Oh my god, that dress!" <laughs> it was totally. I was hanging out with the theater department back in high school again. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. So there's this cute gay guy, and we were talking to him, and he, you know, he 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 was impulse grabbing things as we were checking out. It's like he was really cute, yeah. but it's sad because then his his partner came over, which is his look upon put upon look on his face with his orange Julius that he had gone to buy, and. Like, we were like, oh, it's so cute. Here are some other gays who were so excited about Lego. Because oh, it was not the yeah. same. It was a queue of middle-aged white guys. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm there not was surprised. like one. What, what bums mom. me out? I wonder how many of those guys are probably just going to take that stuff home and resell it on eBay, too. There, I'll, I'll say this. A lot of those people, there were, you could buy multiples. Yeah. Everyone there was only buying one of everything. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So, Super cool. Okay, so that I was really actually, I really think okay. those are genuine, honest-to-God enthusiasts. Oh, that that's day. good. I'm glad to hear that. Any, a lot of kids there? A, a few, though. What was funny is that almost there was like Lego one, store. There's like no kids. There was like one kid who very clearly knew that new sets were coming out. Yeah, and like he was in on it too, just like everybody else. Yeah, but there were so many oblivious parents who were just like, "What's going on?" As we were leaving, we were followed after this dad who just got his son like one little set. He's just staring at us like, "What is happening?" It's like, "Oh, it's new Lego day, dude." She's like, "Oh." It's okay. I'm so confused. It's like it's, it's so, like back in the eighties when the Russians were waiting in line for toilet paper. Except now it's American. It's t- it's fucking Lego sets. So the, yeah. the the gay guy, his partner comes up with just this put upon look on his face, like ugh, shakes his head, and I suddenly was like, I am so grateful that I have someone who is just as excited about this garbage as I am, yeah. if not more so, because it was just so sad. Because that dude was dropping four hundred dollars on Lego that day. Mm-hmm. And just have your partner come up and be like, motherfucker. And it's funny that you could probably drop $400 on Lego in one afternoon and come home with, like, two boxes. Like, yeah. not even, like, that's, that sounds like they should buy you, like, a whole truckload of Lego stuff. But no, like, you might get, like, God a set damn, and a half. expensive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but Lego anyway, Detective got... Agency is, like, 160 bucks. Yeah. Man, that Lego Detective Agency is the shit. It's good times. It's so good. We came home and Foley and I built it together. And it's really, it's Man. a really cute set. I hate, it a... sounds stupid, but you even talking about it, I almost feel like saying, no spoilers, man. No spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I will just say this: there are a lot of really cool elements to it. There's a lot of really cool construction to it. We yeah. had so much fun building it, and it's a delight. Uh, it's really did you? Good. Did, were you able to uh, build it just in one day? 
Uh, we broke it up over two days. Yeah, because me doing it by myself, long. like just even like, uh, like yeah, it, it takes a, a while long to build damn time. It took me, a, it took me about a part of a day just to build that little Lego uh, snow speeder, and that's only like like a hundred, two hundred parts. It's not like really big or anything like that. Yeah. That build that that Lego uh, fucking detective agency is over two thousand parts, my friend. Oh my God. But yeah, it's got like little moving things. Like I saw you like you posted vines on Twitter of like like little like rotating the ceiling fan oh. in like the pool room or is in the, or the barber shop and all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of cool shit. Yeah. But well, after we built all that, I did an audit of all my Benton characters. Man, you're you're cruel. Because well, so who did you get rid of? Well, the thing about Benton is that when I first started doing it, there were only so many Chima's, Chima heads available. Mm-hmm. And also, frankly, when I first started doing it, I really just wanted wolf people. Yeah. Like, But there are only five wolf people heads. Yeah. So at first, I was getting a lot of duplicates. Like, I bought maybe, let's say, four sets of all the wolf heads. But that's a lot of repeating elements, and it looked kind of cheesy. And you know, it didn't meet my exacting standards. Cheesy. So uh, I started like kind of going down the slippery slope, and now I pretty much have all the Chima animals except for the spiders and scorpions because fuck that noise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I really did an audit where I tried to go through and eliminate as many repeating parts as possible. Mm-hmm. So as few repeating heads as possible, as few repeating torsos as possible. So, so that you have they're a bucket all Chima, like a bucket people. of Chima parts now uh i'm gonna send them all to sid friend of the podcast sid who has a animal uh cast like medieval town wow. so sid's gonna have some new uh new additions coming benton shire are they gonna continue to produce more chima stuff throughout the year because this seems, chima seems like something that's not popular enough to justify i kind of surprised it still exists well, keep in mind that Chima is a whole franchise. It is. Oh, not I know. Just it's got its own like logo, a... and it's like it's part well, of. Well, like... no, Bill. It has. A, there's a TV show on yeah. Cartoon Network. Oh, there is. They have multiple video games. Oh my god! It's it, this is not just there's not this is not just like a weird series that they came out with and they're one and done. Wow. There are over 130 Legend of Chima. So what figures. else did you guys get up on Thursday? So you got the detective agency. You got the Chima. You got uh, the double decker couch. Yeah. Yeah, that's all we got. Which is from the Lego movie, which is, yeah, Emmett's Dever. The the cool thing about the double-decker couch is it's only 15 bucks, but then you get, like, uh, minifigures of Emmett. Well, you get Emmett the girl. You get Emmett, uh, you get Lord Business, you get uh, Unikitty, uh, Benny, the the Oh, yeah, it's almost just worth it just for Benny right there, yeah. And Foley, does it also come with uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop? No. Who's the fifth one? Oh, Vitruvius. Ghost Vitruvius. Oh, man. Have you got, got, gone out to buy a lime sucker yet so you can make replace a staff with a real one? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, the, it's a really cute set. It really is. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. I so, say, yeah, I've seen people that, like give a little review of like, oh, my God, you get all these minifigures. This is actually a great deal for $15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Man. So I gotta tell you, Foley, Foley put together the bulk of the detective agency. She had a lot of fun doing it. And then, like, the, that day, a uh, friend of the podcast, Mirabai, sent me a, a Lego set from my uh, wish list. Yeah. That's, that's like, this um, treehouse. It's a cute set. But it, it's, quote-unquote, only, like, 300 parts or something like that. Foley just looks at it like, what is this? This is for children. This is... I only... In comparison, it looks like a baby toy. And I was just like... <laughs> Well, it's cool, yeah, but compared to, like, super, like, the, yeah, the super complicated new set, yeah, I can see, like, yeah. Is that, is that, the Lego Treehouse thing, is that the one that where, like, you can turn into, th- like, it's designed to be three different things? Yes, Lego has their creative Yeah, because I've seen series. that on the shelves, yeah. 
the creator series is all it's not just one set it's three sets it's three in one so. and granted it's lego anyway it yeah it's now unfortunately it could be a thousand different things but yeah yeah, yeah. so i ordered from Foley, lego i've got coming to finished... me what's that if Foley, as soon as she finished the lego detective agency was like how many other modular buildings are there? I'm just looking There's... at her like, do not get into the sets that cost two hundred. That's why I'm a little horrified by the fact that I bought both the Parisian Restaurant and the Detectives Agency because then you start looking at the other sets in that series, and it is they're all fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just as the other day, I was looking at the Emporium, which I guess is one of the yeah. first ones. It's this big fucking like four story like essentially just yeah big dry goods store. Um, they've got the, the, the town hall, which comes with a little couple getting married in the front, and like, that's fucking huge. And, oh man, well it doesn't help that Bricks and Minifigs, the uh, Portland's big Lego reselling shop, uh, in their main store out in Canby, which you guys took me to, they have versions of all these Lego storefront shops, uh, in, in, like, it's in, inside the, 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 the Bricks and Minifigs, it's in their, win- it's their window display, essentially, it has all these, like, little, like, Lego town buildings, and seeing that in the flesh, it's like, Oh my god, this is so cool. As someone who grew up, like, totally fascinated with, like, little model train communities and stuff like that, it's, like, kind of like that same thing where it's like, oh my god, this is so cool. It's like a little Lego world. It taps into the same part of your brain. Yeah, and all these buildings are designed to, like, interlock with each other, and so you can kind of create, like, this little Lego town strip, and yeah. But the terrible thing is almost all these sets are at least minimum of uh, $150, if not, like, $200 to $300. So And and, and all the ones that are discontinued, you can double or even quadruple. I know, exactly. It's like, oh man, but like it's always so cool. Yeah. yeah. So as a note, just I, I took pictures of all my bet nights that survived the audit and I have them queued survived for the next the week Lego and a half audit. to Jesus. soberbeasts.tumblr.com. Yeah, it's a pretty cool update. And you do pretty good uh, little macro photography for that stuff too. Thanks, bitch. It's not just bullshit. So anyway, yes, fucking Lego. So Bill, what did you wind up ordering? Uh, I got the I got the detective agency. I got uh-huh. Oh my god, what did I get? Um, the most important thing is that my uh, order qualified for the free new Lego uh, flower cart. Yeah. Which you pointed out to me is actually designed to be a part of the uh, the detective agency because it has yeah. a little cookie barrel in there for co- smuggling yeah. cookies from the cookie uh, bootlegging uh, facility inside the detective agency set. Yep. So yeah, I got the flower wagon, I got the detective detective's office, I got the double decker couch, and I got little baby snow speeder. Uh cuz they have little mini yeah. s- like Star Wars things. You said they have, what? They have little mini Adat walkers now? Yeah, I almost got that for you when I was I didn't the even store. see that, but I did order the mini mini uh, snow speeder just so I could have a little baby companion to the full-size snow speeder that you got me. And so mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that should be coming to the mail to me this sometime this week. And even more stupidly, I made my first Bricklink purchase this week. Yeah. Um, I was looking up because I keep on talking about how I want to take the Parisian restaurant and turn it into a Casa, uh, Casablanca playset. Yeah. Uh, so I started looking up the prices of old World War Two Nazi minifigures. Yeah. Um, and because you know Lego doesn't sell war themed minifigures, um, the only way you can get like you know like World War Two World War Two themed minifigures and equipment and stuff is like the people essentially make customized minifigures online. And yeah. looking at the prices for that stuff, it's fucking crazy. Just to get, like, yep. four or five Nazi minifigures, which is about as many as I would need, would be, like, 150 bucks. 
Yep. And I was like, maybe later on this year when I've got a little more flush with cash, but not like right after Christmas. I got to pay rent. I got taxes coming up. I was like, I can't afford to spend money on that. But I did find in Bricklink someone who is selling uh, most of the droids from the Lego Sandcrawler kit, which is uh, the Star Wars Sandcrawler, which is, you know, from the first Star Wars movie. It's the, you know, the big Jawa Sandcrawler where they, you know, have all these droids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that Sandcrawler kit comes with a bunch of super awesome uh, little minifigure droids that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And I actually found someone online who was selling most of those. For, like, 50 bucks, I got all those. Yeah. And it's still crazy, because I just dropped, like... Well, actually, I had a whole bunch of credit uh, from the Lego online shop from all the stuff I've bought over the course of the last couple of years. So, actually, that uh, all the new sets I bought from Lego directly this week, most of that stuff actually was free. Um, yeah, I have, like, as I was uh, checking out of Lego store, I still hadn't registered my Lego VIP card. Yeah. Yeah, the dude was looking at me. He's like, you know that once all this is done, you're going to have, like, 40 bucks in credit. Yeah, exactly. So really yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so I used my credit for that. And so, yeah, so most of the stuff I got was actually free. But it, so that kind of justified me. Well, maybe I can't spend $50 on on these, like, like little Lego Treadwell little droid and stuff like that you know because i, I love you bill bill so. it's your christmas slash birthday present to yourself i know exactly like, like yeah like, as if i still don't have like an unbuilt lego parisian restaurant in simpson's house that i could just be building instead of buying new lego on top of that but bill i should tell you that as soon as fully finished the detective agency she just looked at me and she said what sets does bill have <laughs> like, I do just, not go build i just come over and just buy her lunch so she could build this stuff for me <laughs> Uh, yep. But yeah, so Lego. That's all of our Lego Christ stuff. Oh, Lego. And we're only so going to be talking anyway. about it more as like I get my Lego in, and actually I should have you guys come over and hang out. We should. We could have like a Lego building afternoon. That'd be kind Lego of Lego day. Would not be the worst uh, idea for an afternoon. Uh, so just to continue the trend of Annie only talks about things she's talked about on the podcast a million times before. The only other thing I did this week was I started a new playthrough of Dragon Age Inquisition. This time, I my Herald of Andraste is a male ma- a human male mage named Geraldo, Geraldo <laughs> the Herald of Andraste, of Andraste, and I love Geraldo. Yeah, so much. He's already my favorite. Uh, so my first playthrough, I wound up making a lot of decisions that would best entertain fully, as opposed to decisions I was necessarily invested in. Yep, you placated me. I totally appeased my wife in that playthrough, and this time uh, we are uh, approaching it a little more holistically. And uh, I've had people tell me that Dragon Age makes more sense if you play it as a mage, just because so many of the stakes and narratives in the world um, are central around mage conflict, and to have a character who has a stake in that battle is uh just gives you a little more of a of a pull right there and i'd say it's pretty great and uh geraldo has successfully now uh dated uh uh dorian mm-hmm. and in the process what i realized all at once the best feature of the ps4 is that you can capture gameplay video which means that i can capture every single romance scene of the character in a Bioware game, and then stitch together a video of my character's roommate. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. It's actually, I was all of a sudden like, this single-handedly justifies the purchase of PlayStation 4. I actually, I did, I didn't get any of anything else, but I did uh, capture the 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 culmination scene, if you will, with Geraldo. Where everybody finishes. Where everybody finishes. Also, I saw the, like, the opening part right after, was it right before or right after they kiss? Oh, is it Geraldo slides right out of screen? Yeah. Yeah, there's a great glitch. I was laughing my ass off. 
Um, so yeah, anyway. essentially, like, they're hanging out in this library, and Geraldo just kind of, like, he's standing there, and suddenly he's, like, as if he were standing on a skateboard and was pushed out of the seat, and he just yeah. slides out of the screen without actually, like, moving his legs or anything like that. That was fucking great. Dragon Age Inquisition is fascinating in that it's a it's a long ass game with a lot of you know dumb fetch quest mechanics in it. But when I finished it, the nature of the narrative and everything really did make me want to go back and replay it immediately, which never happens with me. I am a one and done kind of gamer, mm-hmm. but uh, replaying it, knowing the context of all the characters, knowing their backstories, and knowing their arcs to come, it's actually really great. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Foley and I are having a ball. So So how many anyway. hours have you put in this, that game so far? Let's see. I was 110 hours with Azala Adar, I yeah. want to say. Yeah. And 110 with, hours with your first character already? With my initial character, we did 110 hours, yeah. Man, that's more than I ever played all of Fallout 3 over the course of an entire year. Holy shit. It's almost like I took vacation time. I know, I know. I'm not criticizing. I didn't realize you'd already done, gone over 100 just with your first character, yeah. Yeah, and then with Geraldo, I think I'm at, like, I'm close to 20 hours. They still have not patched up the interface to be, like, like you know, comparing You're armor. You're so... F- I love all you guys who are like, when are they going to fix crafting? When are- they're never going to do it's, it. It's I can't believe the game. I can't believe how terribly some parts of that game are designed. But It's anyway. really bad. I don't care. It's, it's fucking, a game where I get to smooch that people. That game is rough. Anyway, yeah. I, I learned to adapt because the game allows me to smooch people, so... <laughs> Deal with the rough parts. Getting smacked in that face with that velvet glove. That is Dragon Age Inquisition's Bill, <laughs> fucking UI design. Tell me about Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers! So I finally finished Far Cry 4, which I talked about last week, which is a good game. I had a really good time with that and still continue to have a good time playing with Foley doing co op. Uh, but yeah, so that means uh, I bought myself for Christmas. I bought uh, Smash Brothers. That is. Uh, it's Smash Brothers. If you've ever yeah. played Smash Brothers before, guess what? It's more Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I fell into the trap. Have you ever played Smash Brothers, Annie? No. I, I don't like fighting games. There's, uh, well, man, this is barely even a fighting game. It's more just like everyone flails at each other until someone falls out of the arena game. Uh, there's this thing in Smash Brothers, which I completely forgot about, which it does not involve fighting at all, but there's these couple modes where you just kind of do weird objective stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the modes is you need to grab a baseball bat and knock this um, stuffed doll out of this arena as far as possible. And yeah. the, the only idea is that, like, there's... I don't even know if there's even online leaderboards for this. But it's simply, yeah, you, the whole goal is to just try to knock this uh, this this punching bag as far out of the arena as possible. Uh, and I forgot that, like, back when Smash Brothers Melee first came out, this is, like, fucking... What is it? It's fucking 15 years ago. I spent probably dozens of hours just on one activity you don't even walk around you're just standing motionless on this pedestal trying to like damage this thing long enough uh hard enough so you can knock it as far as humanly possible uh out of the park and i fell into that trap i didn't realize they actually included that same mini game in this new smash brothers and so there was a good three or four hours last week that i lost to where i just kept on OCD style over and over again kept on just replaying this stupid little game of just trying to knock this 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 stuffed bag out of this arena. Yeah. And it's cuz each each it's only like takes you literally 10 seconds cuz you're just kind of like winding up, you hit the button and you just smack it out of the arena and that's it. That's all you do. There's no like strategy to it or anything. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of did that. But yeah, Smash Brothers, um it's great. You can play as a bazillion different characters. Yeah. Um, I already beat it with Mario, Link, and Toon Link, and the main character from Fire Emblem Awakening, who you can play as. Yeah. You can play as either male or female. 
Um, same thing with the villager. I was super upset when they first announced the Animal Crossing villager as playable. Um, all the media just showed that um, you could just play as the dude villager, but it turns yeah. out the female villager is an alternate skin. Actually, oh, that's good. because every character in Smash Brothers has like eight alternate costumes. Mm-hmm. All the alternate costumes for the villager, pretty much all the different versions of all the both the me, uh, me, uh, male and female versions of the uh, villager from Animal Crossing. So you like if you want a villager, a female villager with big googly eyes, they've got that in there as an unlockable skin, or you know, like nice. male version and stuff like that. So. Uh, Smash Brothers, um, and then I was, the other thing, uh, uh, my housemates for Christmas got me Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Uh, which is the first Zelda game that's not, not actually made by Nintendo. Um, uh, not yeah. counting, there was an old, um, there was a couple games for the old CDI system that was sure. not made by Nintendo, but those are infamous. But, like, this is the first big new, uh, Zelda game not made by Nintendo. It's not a puzzle game or a dungeon game. It's, um, they got the guys who make these, what was it? Dynasty Warrior slash Samurai yeah. Warrior games to make essentially it's the same kind of game with the Zelda characters where uh, you're just out on a battlefield uh, playing as a random character just like just slaying the fucking hordes of soldiers on these on these battlefields except now yeah. it's Zelda you can play as Link or actually like fucking like a dozen other different Zelda characters including Zelda herself nice uh just yeah just laying waste to yeah just vast oceans of bad guys and it sounds like it'd be super boring like just kind of like just hitting the e button just to kill dudes over and over again but they do great uh scenarios where this guy over here needs your help and this this like a little like this this little fortress over here is gonna fall you have to go protect these guys and this guy's over here and oh my god this the giant bomb is rolling down the hill over here so you have to destroy that and you have to do it's kind of like weird time resource management on the battlefield aside from just actually just doing all the combat stuff yeah and it's great because it's all zelda themed and you're running around all these different time periods and places and throughout all the different zelda games and like it's got all the zelda music that's all been turned into like butt rock zelda music it's all the zelda music with like electric guitars and shit like that so it's extra just like it's like you're playing the 80s action movie version of a zelda game for like forever that that's the whole game and uh I actually wanted to play the fuck out of that th- th- this week. I played oh, a little bit of Smash Brothers, but Hyrule Warriors is actually a good fucking time. Oh, I was I was kind of worried because I had heard reviews that were pretty scattered about that and tend to be on tended to be on the more slagging and yeah. things. So. Well, it's not necessarily a good game, but it's kind of a great stupid game. It really yeah. is kind of the game equivalent of like a like stupid eighties movie. A stupid yeah. 80s action movie where you can't objectively say it's a good game or a good movie, but it is a fun game slash good, you know, fun movie. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's it's the Nintendo version of Die Hard, where you just run right. around killing people. <laughs> it's just kind of fun, and the production values are ridiculous, but you, know, you still have fun in, in spite of itself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just played a whole bunch of that, and that was super cool. Oh, nice. Bill, tell me about Plastic Galaxy. Man, Plastic Galaxy still wrapping up. I got this shit for Christmas. Uh, talk. This is uh, Dylan and Katie got me this for Christmas. Uh, Plastic Galaxy is a documentary about uh, both the people who collect and the people who made Star Wars action figures. Hmm. Uh, specifically, the Kenner's Star Wars action figures from the early '80s. Yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting. It's actually a pretty well, nicely produced documentary. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like makes light of itself. It doesn't take the subject matter too seriously. But yeah, the the interesting thing is, it's not just talking to collectors, which could get boring after a while, because it is just guys saying, like holding up a Boba Fett action figure, going, "It's my Boba Fett action figure. I got him when I was 12. 
Yeah. I get boring after a while. It's great that they actually spent just as much time to talking to the guys who actually designed all this shit. And so, the, all of course, all these guys are old and retired, and they're all like, I, I thought Star Wars was good, but I didn't think it was that good. All these people no. going crazy for these action figures. But then they, like, they're like they showing all these like old like sketches of like the toys yeah. that they designed or didn't get designed. Um one of the best things is really briefly only he's only on screen for a minute or two is one of the guys who took all the photographs of the Star Wars figure uh, figures for like uh for all the catalogs and everything like that and for all yeah. the advertising and he's like slagging so I guess when they first came up with the first Star Wars line you know for the first Star Wars movie of toys and stuff like that they hired one guy who lit everything super harsh with like a harsh key light and stuff and mm-hmm. for some reason, they didn't bring him back when they started making, like, Empire Strikes Back toys. So they hired mm-hmm. this new guy, and they interviewed this, quote-unquote, new guy who was, like, photographing all the all the action figures and stuff for the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And he's like, oh, man, that guy used to light everything so harshly, but I did it so diffusely and did it so much better. And it's just kind of this weird, like, he's just, like, he's so proud of this artistic photographic aesthetic he imbued yep. on the packaging photographs for these action figures. And then, um, the actual, one of the, well, the other cool thing is he actually pulls out the camera that he actually used to take these photographs. And it's an old centric camera from, like, the 1920s? It's like this, like, it's like, accordion, like, if you were to draw, like, what your idea of, like, an old-timey silent film, like, still camera is, this is yeah. what it'd be, because it's, like, all, you know, accordion boxed, all brown and stained and everything like that, but yeah. I, he says that's what he, like, if, if, if you look at, a, like, any kind of box art for, the, like, an Empire Strikes Back toy, this is the, the camera he took the photos of. Huh. with and it's just it's just very cute documentary and there's like uh the actual once the documentary itself is over there's like four or five little mini documentaries about just other like ah it's just it's super fucking cute is it's nice. yeah it's called plastic galaxy it's available you can rent it on itunes for just a couple bucks the dvd you can just buy straight out if you want a physical copies on amazon for like 15 bucks and stuff but yeah i had heard about it but it was one of those things where i was like that sounds interesting but the potential for that documentary to be terrible is so high i don't know if i can yeah. justify dropping 20 bucks on it but yeah annie or uh, uh dylan kitty got from me for christmas and i was pleasantly fucking surprised it is legitimately oh, a fun documentary to watch oh that's great yeah like the guys they talk to they're nerdy and stuff like that but it's never quite so like i had to yeah. sell my children for this the, the only one kind of kooky part that kind of makes your skin crawl just a little bit or at least made my my skin crawl is this guy talking about how he has assembled a 100% complete Star Wars action figure collection. And then he's like, well, I got, well, once I finished my collection, I had to start a second collection to pass it on to my child when I'm dead. And then he's like, but then I had a second child, and so now I'm working on a third collection to pass to win him to him when I'm dead too. And I'm like, you really, do you, you think your kids really want, like, want or desire, like, a 100% yeah. complete Star Wars collection once you're dead? And it's a little maybe like, they're thinking that's gonna be like their college tuition or something. Yes, or something like that. It's like, like, like imagine if like I just want to tell the guy like what? Whoa! How would you think if like when you died, your dad like when I was way to give you like a hundred percent complete like howdy doody action figure collection? Like what yeah. are you gonna do with that? Like it's just gonna collect dust in a fucking box in the basement. You know, yeah. get them frozen shit. That's what you gotta yeah. do. Get the fucking yeah. some fucking Lego movie. He should be investing in fucking Lego. Yep. Now I'm just suddenly angry. Because I just realized he's wasting all this money on shit that's not going to be valuable someday. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Plastic Galaxy. It was good times. Maybe I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. 
Uh, Alright friends, we're going to take a break, then we're going to do the Geek Week interview, and then after that we're going to discuss our favorite items of 2014, then look forward to 2015. And what yeah! Is it's going to be good. Let me see this. Will Ellie ever be as funny as me? Oh please, I'm like ten times funnier than you. He said, not in this existence. Hey, it wasn't me. Skelisir said it. Well, Skelisir can suck my dick. <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, everybody. Hey, pals. Hey, buds. Guys, it's time for the Geek Week interview. Are you ready for some geekery? What's Once going again, on? The context of this is that Bill has written down some things that I'm reading for the first time, so let's see what geek news we've got. There's a brand new format here. for the show. Andy just barely puts up with Bill shit. <laughs> this is it. Well, Bill, in this case, the shit Bill new? has typed. <laughs> yeah. How is that not just the format of our show for the last three years? <laughs> Andy thinly veiling anger at Bill for being around. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, what's first in the geek interview? The lady who voiced Babe Pig and Dexter on Dexter's Lab passed away last week. That is a Aww. damn shame. She's one of those people... I didn't realize that was an actual human being, and I just thought those characters were those characters. Are you telling me that Babe the Pig is not real, and that was a lady voicing Babe the Pig? Sorry, Bill. Man, that breaks my fucking heart. You know I what? wonder how Babe holds up, like, aesthetically. I know Babe, Babe 2 is awesome. I have I can't I have not seen the original Babe the Pig since it was first out. I, how, yeah. how could it not hold up? It's such a quaint, cute little movie. Unless the well, CGI. No, no, no. I, mean, I, like the, I meant the special effects. Yeah, so that's a good point. The actually, pigness. yeah, like the talking animal stuff. The funny thing is, the first thing when I heard that the lady had voiced Babe the Pig, I was like, "Oh, what's Kate Beaton gonna think?" Because I know she has that little. She had a Twitter icon that was like, "That'll do, Pig." Was mm-hmm. that Kate Beaton? Oh no, no, yeah, because it's like, well, she put her face over Babe the Pig. I think that's what it was. Or is that Buttface McCainy? I can't remember. <laughs> so Bill's first thought was some some internet woman <laughs> will be sad. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It's Babe the Pig. Babe is dead. They can't do a Babe three now. Um, mm, that's too bad. What what's 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 uh, what's George Miller gonna do now without Babe the Pig? <laughs> was um, that a George Miller movie? Yeah, George Miller lost his fucking mind. He said, if I can't make Max, Mad Max movies, I'm going to make Babe the Pig movies. And Happy Feet. And Happy <laughs> Feet. Oh, George Miller. And okay. well, the other thing, man, Dexter from Dexter's Lab. No, Didi. Oh, my God. That was one of the best cartoon voices ever. That lady, I Seriously. can't, I, you know what? Yeah. She meant so much to me, I couldn't even bother to write her fucking name in the show notes, but God two, damn. Two of the most, like, I would say that Dexter and Dexter's Lab is one of the most iconic voices in Dexter. That voice was funny even without the animation. If you just listen yeah. to an episode of Dexter's Lab, yeah. it was fucking hilarious. That prefer- that lady, man, she she was a godsend. And I guess maybe, I don't know how long she was a voice actress or whatever the hell happened there, but, like, I don't even know what she died of, but she's gone, and that is goddamn crying shame. Yeah. Continuing Bill's parade of sad things, we're sad about people passing, mm-hmm. a Gilmore Girls star and head vampire from the Lost Boys, Edward Herman, died on New Year's Eve of brain cancer. He was 71. Yeah, man, I like him so much. Yeah. Even though really only anyone knows him from... Oh, he also voiced a lot of car and truck commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gilmore Girls. He was the dad on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. That's what I did not know he was in Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. 
Have you never seen The Lost Boys? I have never seen The Lost Boys. <sighs> We're, are we going to have to do a live uh, Lost Boys commentary? <laughs> no, he's... Well, actually, that's spoiling the fact that he's the head vampire, because the fact that yeah. he's head vampire, for the whole movie, you're supposed to think that... Uh, can't, uh, not Keanu Reeves, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. You th- you're supposed to think that he's the head bad yeah. vampire. Then you find out that the head bad vampire is this dude who's trying to mack on Edward Scissorhands mom. And then you're like, oh shit. And then the old dude grandpa shows up and impales Gilmore Girls' dad with a telephone pole on a truck. And that kills him because he's a vampire. Then he explodes. You, you have then... summed up why I have no urge to see the Lost Boys. And also one of the most famous memes to come out of Lost Boy is Greasy's sexy grinding hip saxophone player guy. It's one of those 80s movies where everyone goes to hang out at Venice Beach on the pier, and the major source of entertainment on the pier is a sexy, greasy, super-muscled guy wearing a leather vest, playing saxophone, and, like, humping the air while he does it. <laughs> you would love it. It's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sounds like my And jam. also, Corey Haim. Is that... Yeah, I think Corey Haim... That's the Corey that's in that... He's got... We were watching The Lost Boys on Halloween, and we just realized he has a lot of weirdly start like kind of gay posters on his wall because he has all these like it's like richard grieco like shirtless kind of like not that there's any problem with the characters gay or anything like that actually the movie was directed by uh, a gay guy so i don't know if that was supposed to be a little in joke he's kind of slipped in or something like that but yeah lost boys is really fucking weird but great i fucking love the lost boys <laughs> but yeah edward herman more importantly yeah that the, the head vampire dad from from he died and Annie does not care about this at all. I, well, no, I'm just thinking, you know what? God bless 80s movies, because it was more likely for a weird genre 80s movie to have, like, some some strange interest to it, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, nowadays it feels like even a crappy action movie has nothing, like, you know. Well, no... there's this unified aesthetic that all action movies yeah. seem to have these days. Yeah. Where it's the same kind of, like, it's the same kind of Hans Zimmer score, it's the same kind of cinematography, everything's trying to look like 300 and sound yeah. like Inception, and yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh, in other which, news, Neil Blomkamp's teased a uh, an alien movie concept that he was working on. Did you see anything about this yourself? I All I saw was the Sigourney Weaver with the alien... Thing. Yeah, so you know, you have about as much context for this as anyone else. So yeah, Neil Blomkamp, the guy who directed District Nine and Elysium, which I've never actually still seen Elysium yet. Yeah. Um, he just out of the blue started tweeting all these alien concept pieces of art that he had commissioned, and he wouldn't say anything about the project other than Twentieth Century Fox had either never been involved or was no longer involved, and so for some reason he was like, "Well, I'm not working on this anymore, so I'll just post all the artwork for this thing that I was working on." I don't know if he was working on maybe an alien sequel that maybe kind of got scuttled once Prometheus happened or what. Hmm. But yeah, so it's all kinds of crazy artwork of uh, Sigourney Weaver. Like, there's one thing of her, like, wearing an alien mask. She's got, like, this yeah. weird thing on where it kind of makes her head look like one of the aliens, but then she yeah. also can put a gas mask on, so she looks like the, the space jockey from the first alien movie. Uh, there's artwork of her and... Uh, Hicks from Aliens uh, running around. They're obviously supposed to be like current old aged versions of those characters, but Hicks mm-hmm. is like the one side of his face is melted because you know he gets scarred with acid at the end of Aliens, and I guess he's yeah. just never got it fixed between now and then. And uh, all this stuff with the y- y- Wayland Utani Corporation has captured like the alien derelict ship from uh, uh-huh. the first Alien movie, and all this. 
not quite sure what the hell that movie was supposed to be, but he was working on something, and it all just seemed kind of interesting. And uh, I'm a little yeah. bit bummed to think that if Prometheus did kind of scuttle this movie, it's kind of a bummer because uh, I'd rather Neil Blomkamp, someone who actual who seems to actually have actual passion for the franchise, I'd rather him make another Alien movie than Ridley Scott kind of pull more Prometheus shit out of his ass because he's obviously just doing that stuff as a cheap money grab. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Prometheus wasn't terrible, but... I think Ridley Scott is totally in just kind of coasting mode where he's not really doing any projects that he's really invested in. He's just kind of doing stuff just to kind of like fluff up his bank account. And he like he's kind of almost admitted to such in, in, in certain situations. And like, yeah, fucking put Neil Blomkamp in charge of that shit. That would act, even if the movie's... Not, that's not to guarantee Neil Blomkamp's alien movie would necessarily be good or anything like that. But at least, yeah, there's something to be said for passion. Yeah. And he's obviously passionate enough, I guess, I guess to be doing, like, cooking up his own uh, concept art, like, without even a natural green light from 20th Century Fox. So, I don't know, it's yeah. kind of weird, so. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. It was but a weird, weird thing. Cool. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly, there was a rumor a while ago that um, there were going to be, instead of a true Blade Runner... That's your cat, Annie. That's okay. What's going on? Uh, my printer's going off. There you go. You're good. Uh, instead of a true Blade Runner sequel, they were going to do a series. They were going to get a bunch of different directors and creators to do a series of shorts based on Blade Runner or inspired oh, by really? Blade Runner. And that was so much more interesting than eventually Ridley Scott was like, oh, no, I'm just going to make another Blade Runner. Movie. Yeah, I'm just going to do another one just because people keep on telling me I should, so I'll finally do it. And I, I get that because from Fox's perspective, that is the more fiscally responsible choice to make. Yeah. It's a better return on investment, or potential better return on investment. But you know, like some shit, like um, the the weird Matrix anthology. Yeah, that's what thing. I was gonna think of. That that's the closest thing to that I can think of. Yeah. Like I think that's an interesting idea to have different creators play in a universe and get different perspectives and different kind of narratives from it, than just have someone make a. Sequel. A sequel. Man, yeah. you know what they should do? Ridley Scott should be like, you know, instead of making Blade Runner two, he should be like. Everyone on Tumblr, if you post a Tumblr artwork, fan art of, of Blade Runner, I'll, 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 I'll score it to Philip Glass music, and I'll put that in movie theaters as, like, there a slide, go. a glorified two-hour Blade Runner slideshow. Um, yeah. Man, you know what I was thinking the other day? How has no one created an animated GIF movie yet? Theatrically released, it would be better than Jackass. You just take the best, funniest animated GIFs of the last decade... Make it to cut into a, like an 80, 90 minute movie. It would fucking do gangbusters. Bill, I'm getting an epileptic fit just at the description of that movie. Yeah, you just, I mean, if not an anime gif of like YouTube videos, I know the rights clearances would be a fucking nightmare. But man, Bill, that, that here would in probably Portland, be the all time greatest comedies, is all I'm saying. Bill, in Portland, at the Hollywood Theater, there is a, mo- a series, I think it's monthly, called Getting to Know YouTube. Oh, really? Where they, all they do is screen YouTube videos. That's what I'm talking about. And if you did an animated yeah. GIF movie, what you do is you kind of like put everything through an old-timey filter and kind of make everything a little bit too fast and then like put piano, have a live piano player in the theater. So it's like, oh, mm. this is like 100 years ago. Schmitty. Hmm, now I'm watching the silent <laughs> films. But that, that person has fallen down. 
Aww. I like your weird Edgar, what is his name, Edgar G. Robinson impression <laughs> somehow you're all time. That you. lass has fallen. Oh, I see that lass has hit her face in the, in the face with a catapulted watermelon. To it go back hilarious. to what we were discussing, it's interesting to think that you would never have aliens happen today. Like, an alien came out today. Yeah. And did really, really well. There is no way a movie theater, or a, 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 a movie uh, Fox would let aliens happen. Oh, so. Because it's too weird and too different and too, it doesn't build, it doesn't successfully iterate well, on the Well, the funny thing is, I think you could get aliens made. If aliens was the first movie, I don't think you could get yes. alien made by saying this is going to be like a $50 million horror movie. Yeah. That's like, we're going to have this weird German pervert design everything. That is true, but my point is, is that like you can't. It's it's harder and weirder to have harder like weird things. Well, you know, that fuck, just... regardless of which alien movie it is, it wouldn't star Sigourney Weaver. It'd star fucking, uh, fucking Charlie Hunnam or whatever the fuck his name is. Or it'd be the good. It'd be the fucking. It'd be fucking Channing Tatum or something. Yeah, it'd be Chris Pine, man. Yeah, it'd be yeah. Chris Pine, and instead of Hicks, it'd be fucking uh, Jonah Hill. It'd be oh, that kind go. of shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, then again, if it was Chris Miller and Phil Lord actually making an alien movie starring Magic Mike and Django Unchained, I could see that. <laughs> In other news, Sam Raimi admitted on the Nerdist podcast that he done fucked up Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Did Do you, you have anything, anything about did this? Did you expand on that? No, that's it. <laughs> no, 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 He came out. It was just, yeah, a podcast interview with the Nerdist. Uh, not, nothing too... Th- he didn't come out and say anything specifically that he fucked up with the movie other than uh, he recognizes now that it was wrong. I only kind of put this in there because I know you're a fan of Spider-Man, not necessarily the movies and stuff. And this kind of does tie into, like, the big franchise shit that we're kind of talking about a little bit. Um, but he does recognize that it was probably a mistake to try to, like, outdo Spider-Man 2 in terms of scale and number of villains. Yeah. And that they should have, instead of, like, having, like, five more villains again and trying to do... Uh, the fucking... Who was it? Venom in that movie? God, it was Venom and... What's the name of the sand dude? Yeah, sand... Is it just Sandman? Sand I don't know. And then there it, You know like, what? I think his name is Sand Stan. Home Depot Home Delivery. Home Depot Home Delivery. So that's funny. What's that? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I need a cubic yard of sand. So, uh, <laughs> I can't remember. There was a third villain in it. Sand Stan. You had Venom. Oh, and wasn't the lizard in that one? No, Something about the lizard. They were always teasing the lizard, and they never got around to it. Who was... There were three villains. It was, uh... It was, was that it 80s guy, Electro? right? No, Electro was in the most recent Spider-Man movie. See, that's, sorry, how, that's how memorable Spider-Man 3 was, that you don't even know what, like, what was that? Aunt, did I Aunt May remember. suddenly start packing heat and start shooting people? All I can remember was Topher Grace was, uh, what's his butt? Well, Spider-Man 3, you know, Aunt May does become chief of police. <laughs> Which that, I thought that was a pretty bold choice. She's like, we're gonna find my goddamn husband's fucking killer. You guys oh, are fucking up too much. Oh, um, Spider-Man. But yeah, no, uh, it's, 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 it's also rare for a movie director like of his stature to come out and say, yeah, we fucked up that one. That, that we, yeah. yeah if, I, if I could go back, I'd, I'd do that one over again. He didn't say anything yeah. about like the infamous emo dancing scene, which everyone's No, yeah, one of. of the worst. I still remember being things. in a the theater. I don't know if I was with you or who else, but I remember being in the theater and like everyone, like the the the, the vibe in the theater getting uncomfortable when that shit happened because it was one of those things where like, are we supposed to take this seriously? Are we supposed to start yeah. laughing? And then people did start laughing. Oh, it was James Franco as the Goblin. Oh, that's the what one. it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
Fucking movies Did are terrible. Did he die? <laughs> did, you, did you actually end up seeing Spider-Man 2? I'm no. the, the The new Spider-Man 2. No. As much as I love Andrew Garfield and, and Emma Stone as uh, a Gwen Stacy, the first one was so humorless. Yeah. And so drained everything I love from Spider-Man that I just couldn't oh, bring myself to reading it. about more Into the Woods stuff last night, I guess they first approached uh, Emma Stone to play Cinderella in the movie mm. instead of Anna Kendrick, which, really weird. Why would you not go to Anna Kendrick first? But Emma Stone turned them down and said she didn't want to play Cinderella, but she'd much prefer to play Jack, who is Jack and the Beanstalk, who in Into the Woods is like this mildly retarded kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love that's like I want to play the retarded kid. I don't want to play. I don't want to play Cinderella. I want to play that guy, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I like Emma Stone. Oh, and I was reading an Entertainment Weekly this week. They had an interview with her, and they were like saying, "Hey, Emma Stone, what's your favorite memories of like 2015 or 2014?" And she's like, "When I was filming, I don't know what the hell movie she was in this year, but she was like, I was on the set of that movie, and I finally beat Donkey Kong Country." She's like, I've been trying to beat that game for 20 years, and now I'm, I'm, I'm finally old enough that I had the, like, physical maturity to beat Donkey Kong Country. And I was like, oh, my God, Emma Stone. <laughs> Bless her. Yeah. Uh, Marvel this week is part of a viral advertising for their upcoming Ant-Man film released a ant-sized Ant-Man teaser trailer. That's Did you like see it? 50 Seriously? pixels by 100 pixels. Seriously? Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Assholes. It's a pretty good joke. <laughs> it was. I'm kind of bummed they only let it stand for a day before they actually put out the normal human sized trailer. But yeah. That was fucking like whoever at Marvel did that. Like they 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 yeah they they earned their paycheck for that week. They knew they had to get the nerds' good graces for scaring off Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright. Yeah, so. that's actually a pretty good point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of earning paychecks, did you did I ever show you that? YouTube video of the guy who dresses as Gaston at Disneyland getting yelled at. No, but at. I did see that floating around where the, the push-up contest. Yeah, there's a new one where he gets involved in a pushing contest with a random stranger. So random stranger uh, goads him into a push-up contest, and Gaston destroys his ass. He, he's doing so one-handed push-ups and destroys so this good. guy. It's really good. Yeah, that guy, man. He's, yeah, he's fucking hilarious. And it's also <laughs> terrible because he's got, like, a terrible muscle suit on and everything. Yeah. So good. God damn. So yeah. Good. Anyway. Uh, in conclusion, Bill Notes, awesome games done quick. Yeah, so this is uh, the thing that they do every winter now, which is a bunch of speedrunners get together, and in order to uh, raise money for cancer research, uh, they do awesome games done quick, which is, yeah, for a, uh, for 24 hours a day for a solid week. Uh, just live over Twitch, they just broadcast a whole bunch of people hanging out in a hotel uh, just one after another. Everyone's just trying to like speed run through all these different classic games as fast as possible. Actually, not even classic games because they do like the first game that they were playing this year, which this whole thing started like an hour before we started broadcasting. They were playing the latest Donkey Kong game for the Wii U. So, oh yeah, like so, like I I saw one of the big games like tomorrow they're supposed to be doing is like Dark Souls two and stuff. But I think people t- they t- tend to do a lot of older games just because those games are more easily breakable and those games all aren't yeah. like 40 hours long like you could actually blast through a playthrough of like donkey kong country and like even without glitching and speed running like you could play it like you know in half an hour if you wanted to but um but yeah it's it's, it's really cool if you're really into uh awkwardly socialized nerds like me who don't communicate very well playing video games for for a whole yeah. straight week yeah uh, yeah you should check that out it's it's it's, it's, it's actually pretty good times 
I'm not a big fan of, of streaming or Let's Plays, just because it's not really how I like to interact with games. I, I see what the appeal in others, and it, for like think games that aren't my type of games, like non-narrative games and stuff like that, I can yeah. see the appeal a little more. But uh, Double Fine, I think we talked about this before, Double Fine has started their series called Dev's Play. Which I haven't seen yet, but I hear everyone freaking out about, yeah. I highly recommend it. I've only watched the first one where they are talking, uh, it's Greg Rice playing uh, um, uh, the Super Nintendo, or maybe the Genesis version of The Lion King. And uh, while talking to some of the developers, and they released some this week that's Earthbound and Mother, and uh, it's it's just a really good series, and I highly recommend it. Hmm. Yeah, they're playing with the people who actually originally made the games, right? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is that it's they're playing the game with a developer. See, or I thought it was just a developer, a random developer giving commentary to a game. I didn't realize they were actually talking to like they're like, "Hey, you made this twenty years ago. Tell us how you did this." Yeah, it's just interesting. It's it's nice to see how the sausage gets made. Uh, oh man! And have talk in about six minutes, they're gonna start playing Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> then we better wrap this up. I know All we right, gotta friends. we gotta go we gotta go. Uh, at two forty five, they're gonna start Diddy Kong Racing. I'm trying to see if there's anything. Else. They're they're playing Transistor later on tonight. I'm trying to see old Drake's. Actually, they're doing Uncharted tonight. That's I have no interest in speed plays, Bill. But, Are you trying to find you know things what? for it's me? It's not them just going fast, but the way they kind of glitch through some of that stuff, it could be really weird. Like, yeah, it's it, that's kind of the bummer thing, because if you turn, tune into this stuff expecting just to watch people playing the games, they tend to break these games enough that you're not really... it's You don't get the entertainment value of just, like, watching someone play a game. Because they'll glitch out and, like, skip whole parts of the game so much that it kind of becomes its own weird, different, kind of, like, weird, almost, like, fucking performance art, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of interesting from that perspective, but it's not quite as fun... Or at least not fun in the same way as it is just, like, watching someone just like, I want to play Donkey Kong. I like Donkey yeah. Kong, but no. Yeah. It's a, it, it, you're absolutely correct. It is more performance art at that point than anything else. Especially when you got a bunch of poorly under-socialized guys like me all trying to do commentary and no, no one can speak well or do commentary well. And they're like, oh, and then everyone's using lingo you don't understand because everyone's got their super hyper-specialized talk about how they describe what they just did and stuff. And they're like... I don't know what these guys do, but they're wizards, and it's pretty yeah. impressive, even though I don't yeah. know what the fuck's going on. But, yeah. That's angry. Not angry games done quick. Awesome games done quick. Yeah. It doesn't have an A in there. Our, so we, should, uh, we should do our counterpoint for Annie's... We should, for, it'll be a benefit for Benton. Animal <laughs> games done quick. Yeah. <laughs> we, could do, we could do all the Disney games. There we go. Maybe we can do some uh, Timon and Pumbaa. I could just play Inherit the Earth Quest for the Orb ten times in a row. Is that animals? Yeah. Uh, yes, oh, those okay. are animals. That was my favorite animal game of my youth. Why? What do you do in that game? It's an adventure game. Oh, yeah. It would make for a terrible speedrun. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. All right, friends, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk about what we enjoyed in 2014 and what we are anticipating in 2015. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when we're living our dreams. Hey pals, it's time. It's time for us to look back on 2014. The games that were, the movies we watched, the TV shows we binged. Let's talk about things we enjoyed. Bill, tell me. <laughs> some of your... Fully does not enjoy my attempts at uh, professionalism. Bill, please share with me 
elucidate upon your beloved experiences Any, of 2014. Do you think this would be better if we just shouted out the names of everything we liked without commentary <laughs> and then shut the podcast down? <laughs> we could be like that guy who yells about the weather Bill, on I YouTube. I actually was. I was, gonna get I was thinking that as a challenge to us that we could time ourselves and give ourselves no more than 15 seconds to discuss each item. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, my first thing is Angry, Angry Games Done Quick, which I saw for the first time last year it was good now i watch it every year it's good it's health cancer <laughs> uh, one of my favorite games this year was banner saga which was my favorite visual novel in which you do not get to date monsters but instead get to stab at zombies uh simpsons marathon there was a simpsons marathon it went for 24 hours no wait more like a whole week i got to see a lot of simpsons episode it was good i illegally got <laughs> streamed it it was still Wolf good. Among Us episodes two through five came out in 2014. Uh, a quite enjoyable Telltale experience. I do not think it would be as uh, enjoyable in one go, but I think it was my favorite Telltale game to date, with excellent character designs and pretty darn good voice direction. Why do you make note that episodes two through? Because episode came one came out in 2013. Oh, uh, well, you might as well count it as a whole piece. I'm glad you liked that. I still want to check that out because, like, not just you, but I've heard of a lot of people. I would recommend taking a week break in between episodes. Yeah. Really? It really Why? does, I think, it is not designed to be binged. I'll tell you that. It, I don't think it would. Oh, really? What, is it just emotional? No, I don't intense? think it would. It, it, I don't think it, the narrative and everything would hold up as well being binged. Oh, okay. So. You have to forgive um, <laughs> Or it's just like, it's not, it, it really is more episodic. And I feel like as a whole, it's not going to be as satisfying as it is just consuming in episodic bits. It's like Teen Wolf. <laughs> okay. Okay, my next thing is Broken Age. Broken Age is a game that's really pretty. It looks like it's hand-painted. You get to play as one guy, and you get to play as a lady. And at the end of the flip-flop, and she's got a dress, and there's she's a baker, and he lives on a ship, and there's this wolf living in the walls, and I thought it was really cool. And the puzzles are really easy, because I'm not that smart. It made me feel smart, because then I kind of beat the game super fast, and where the fuck is Broken Age 2, because it's a year later now, and they haven't said anything about it. Do you think, do you think Broken Bill, Age actually They have, actually. actually they have said that it's coming out next year. When is it coming out? Is it coming out next year? Yes. I'm sorry, excuse me, now this year, 2015, sorry. Uh, did they say if oh, it's going to be just like, like, is oh, it just going to be like a Twine game? Yes, Phil, that's or exactly is this game? Say. No, this is interesting in that this is the year that some Kickstarter games came to fruition, including Broken Age. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, well, this is, oh, yeah, I got another example of that, but that's later on. As do I! Stuff. We'll get to it in time. Oh, my uh, God! There were actually, God bless us, three Assassin's Creed-related games that came out this year. Wait, what was the other one? The one I enjoyed the the most was not Unity, was not Rogue. It was actually Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, the DLC expansion for uh, the Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which I think really successfully took some of the gameplay um, elements from Black Flag and just by tweaking the context a little more and giving you a new protagonist, uh, made it an enjoyable, pretty good standalone experience. Is that the one where you play? is a black slave you play at yes yeah when supposedly it's the freedom cry team that's working on the next assassin's creed game right it's it's interesting just because he is one of the things i liked about black black frag black wow. <laughs> flag black flag is that um uh, uh kenway had a little edward had a little more heft to him he was a little more of a bruiser mm-hmm. and at even more so it, it's there is a degree of physicality that i really enjoyed in freedom cry 
And uh, at the end of the day, it is just really emotionally satisfying to kill oppressors. Just straight up kill oppressors. Yeah, it's, it's got a little cathartic. bit of that Django Unchained kind of feel to it, where it's just yeah. like, yeah. Or like, it's kind of the same thing with Wolfenstein 3, or the new Wolfenstein game, where it's one thing to kill guys, but when you're killing Nazis who have taken over the world, they'd have deserved to die more than even most video game bad yeah. guys. It, it gives it a kind of, I don't know, I really, I, I think Freedom Cry did a good job of taking everything that was good about Black Flag and concentrating it and then turning it into something, just by reorienting it, just a hair, Making it uh, more made righteous. it something, make it, made it something different and enjoyable. Well, that's so. the thing, too, because, like, the Assassin's Creed game, it kind of, well, the first Assassin's Creed game had a little bit of a social context to it because you were, like, like it was, took place during the Crusades and had a little bit of, like, like a social weight to it. And oh, Bill, just... you, that is the fog of time. I know, that. but they were trying to. At least it was supposed to kind no. of like making kind of like Bill, faint you could, if you want to towards... say that of Assassin's Creed 1 or 2, you could apply that same <laughs> thin thin layer to all of them. No, Bill. Assassin's Creed 2 was just about how they invented pizza. Um, <laughs> no, but that's the thing with all these games taking place in like these horror historically... Uh, politically conflicted times and places, you, they could take more advantage of, like... I mean, I guess you can say uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, you know, it takes place during the French Revolution, and you're fighting for the revolution and stuff like that. But you know what I mean. Like, like especially, like, fucking... There's even more fucked-up shit in history that you could be fighting against or for. I don't know. That shit Bill, could be more fucking charged than it Assassin's is. Assassin's Creed does not handle any sort of subtlety well. It does it doesn't not handle, handle anything well. It doesn't handle gameplay well. well. It doesn't handle religion well. It doesn't handle relationships well. All it does is handle stabbing, stabbing dudes well. You know what Assassin's Creed is really good at is uh, disclaimers at the beginning of their game saying, don't hurt us. <laughs> There's a bunch of different people who worked on this game. Bill, what else did you play this year? I played Far Cry 4. I, I cry so much to Far Cry 4. Why are these games called Far Cry? There's no crying involved. The end. So, the, yeah, the, I have to say, Far Cry 4 is also Foley's game of the year just because she's enjoyed so much not only playing it, but also playing it online with Bill. Yeah, no, it really, that is the best part of the game. Is just that the, you, can, you can do everything you can do in the single-player solo stuff uh, co-op, which is the thing, ideally, that, like, more games would have. I can understand why more games don't have that because from a technological point of view, sure. it's really rough from like you know development perspective, time and budget, that's really rough to kind of throw together. From a game design perspective, that's really rough. But man, that means, that may, that single mode in Far Cry 4 elevates it so much yeah. that it's like, I think that it's definitely, I think Far Cry 4 is a legitimate, legitimate must-have for the PlayStation 4. Unless yeah. you're really not into first-person shooters, at which point, even if you do that co-op, you're not going to have any fun with it. But it's good times. Yeah. It's like Foley has had more fun fucking around with you in Karat than yeah. she has in any other game this year. Far Cry 4 is the online multiplayer first person shooting co-op game that, not that I wanted Destiny to be, but I've definitely had more fun with Foley playing Far Cry 4 than I, than, than, than I got to play out of Destiny. And I thought yeah. Destiny was going to be like, you know, this big godsend of like, oh my god, you can play with other people and it's going to be amazing. And that turned out to be shit. Yeah. So. Anyway. Well, is there anything you wanted to add about Far Cry 4? It's amazing to kill dudes with Bill. <laughs> That's, yeah. Bill's it's, a good pilot. Bill is an excellent pilot. Bill's a far better pilot than I am. I actually am a pretty good pilot, but I am a terrible uh, fucking car driver. You Maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you've rolled this off more than a few More uh, than a few ravines. times, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's fantastic that there's something that... I love that the multiplayer um, aspect of it, that co-op aspect of it, that you can drop into my game and things that you help me do stick 
-hmm. You know, yeah. that, that, that that actually is something where, no, this is legitimately difficult to do, and it's more, it's a lot easier when you have somebody to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, I mean, nothing is as entertaining as taking on a giant fortress that should be really hard to do, and oh, having that, yeah. two, two people's different gameplay styles end up complementing each other in a way where it means that you can be successful at something that's very difficult. Yeah. Um, I forgot about this with this week. We did that one fortress where you distracted everyone while I snuck around to the back of the fortress and, like, undid all the alarms and stuff. Yeah. And then shot everyone from behind while you were, like, essentially yeah. up on this hill going, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> there is something shooting, killing you from behind these trees. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's 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 a it's a distractingly and almost overwhelmingly robust game, um, but I get to see eagles pick up tapers and then fly them really high into the air and drop them on the ground. It's a great sandbox, um, yeah. And and all of the atmospheric stuff that ends up happening, like all of the um, the programming that went into making those interactions so randomized, mm -hmm, yeah. I cannot even put my put my brain around it. But it, it's, it's it's a really pretty game with like beautiful sandbox and the main <sighs> zone's pretty cool and like it, it's, it's it's a good package. And the, the ambient music is so great and mm -hmm. the yeah, the mood that's set is fantastic and yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, having played and, and seen Annie play uh, large portions of Far Cry three I am really glad it went this direction, mm -hmm. as yeah. opposed to continuing on what it was doing before, because that was terrible. Have you so, done any more missions for uh, Sabal or? What's I don't think I have. I've been I've been focusing on um, I've been focusing on freeing hostages and okay. uh, assassinating. I just don't know people. if you yeah you have seen any more of that stuff because that stuff gets a little crazy oh, a little bit later no. too. I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen because I have a feeling it's it's going to be really great. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'll show yeah, up. definitely, definitely Far Cry Four. Because sheer amount of fun that I have had, and fun to like frustration levels. <laughs> yeah, the fun is far greater. Mm -hmm. And and what's cool about it is that yeah, even when you die, even when an eagle kills you, even when like all this terrible shit happens, I still find that on that game more than anything else, I come around the other side going, I can do that differently. Let me try it again. Would you say that this game makes you far from crying? Yes. That's my that was my joke. That's that's my that's my joke for y'all. Right, uh, uh, we're now we're gonna refer to that game as near laughter four. <laughs> uh, one of the most emotionally satisfying uh, gaming experiences from last year for me was The Last of Us Left Behind, the DLC for The Last of Us, exploring what happened to Ellie before the events of Last of Us in the context of one of the most uh, jarring events of Last of Us. It's just obviously I am attached to it from a narrative perspective as it does examine a queer relationship in games. But even beyond that, the way they use the core gameplay mechanics to just kind of play with friendship yeah. and relationship and uh, to have a piece of DLC that just focuses on a relationship is everything that I love in Naughty Dog games. Then with the skill and craft that is why they're one of my favorite developers working today. And you know, everyone, you know, like the emotional stuff is great. Like kind of the recontextualization of some of the gameplay stuff was great too. But then I forget, uh, I, I was looking through some videos of, of some of the Left Behind stuff uh, in preparation for the podcast and I forgot... There's also, you get to explore a Halloween costume shop. That's one of the best parts of the game. That's one of the best environments in a video game I've ever played in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's just fucking hilarious. Yeah. And Phil Theobald of the Player One podcast, uh, he mentioned that this is also one of his favorite things of the year, too. But uh, Left Beyond it also contains 
uh, his favorite uh, piece of dialogue from any game throughout the year, which is, what's the name of the bad guy in the fighting game that Ellie likes so much? Skeletor? Skeletor? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, she says, like, Skeletor, suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> which is, yeah, that is easily the greatest line reading of the entire year in video game dumb. There's a portion of that game that uh, where where Ellie and Riley are looking at that the the machine, and um, Riley helps uh, uh, Ellie just imagine what happened with it playing the game was. No, like. I thought that was stupid. I didn't get it because I have a hard time understanding a human motion. I'm <laughs> psychopathic, so I'm like, where where's the picture? What is it my was... TV broken? A smart way to make a lot of emotionally impactful things from these little gameplay elements. It was interesting the way it built on a lot of the things that Telltale has been playing with and beat them at their own game. Also, like, actually that moment with the video game arcade cabinet, which is something, that's funny, I I completely forgot that happened, but that's also just a great video game moment in that, like, it's kind of the magic of video games in a video game for a moment, even though it's not really the whole point of that scene is like, oh, video games are so great, but, like, the fact that she's describing this video game and, like, one of the characters wants to play a video game so much, and you're like, oh, man, that's kind of... The way the sounds come in and everything like that, like, you can... Yeah, it's just, like... It does get your heart beating a certain way, you you can can imagine the video game that she's describing, and, like, Ellie would have so much fun with that, and you you realize that you're playing a video game right now, and you want to go, like, travel your time and say, hey, Ellie, have my PlayStation 4. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I ordered you Lego. That um, shit, some good shit. Yeah, that was I, again. I still Left Behind is definitely the best slice of gaming I, I have played all year. Yeah, hands yeah. down. I what else? What else? Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, Forza Horizon Two. It's another game where you race cars, and it's cool because you're racing across Italy, and you can jump off cliffs. And um, fully bought me a car that looks like Jurassic Park Jeep. And then she bought another car that was like a big tank thing, and I ran over some people. And it was good, and. It's just good because you can go off-road racing for no reason and just explore in this beautiful sunsets. And it was really gorgeous. And also that being an ex- Xbox exclusive, that's one of the rare like exclusive next generation games out there, regardless of its quality or not. But it was that just also just having to be a really uh, good game, just really fun, really fun to play. And yeah, again, I, will, I still say if you guys ever want to borrow my Xbox just to play that, you guys would be welcome to because it's a really fun game. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think literally any of the games I'm talking about are console or are exclusive to the PS4. So I know. Exactly. How much yeah. The yeah. PS4 yeah. impacted me this year. Um, one of my favorite games. Speaking of very much some not exclusives. Uh, one of my favorite gaming experiences this year was Transistor, uh, the latest game from Supergiant Studios, the folks who did Bastion. Once a game, again, it's a game where necessarily the gameplay, much like in Bastion, wasn't necessarily my jam, but they won me over with storytelling, art, and music. Music that I continue listening to to this day. It's a good soundtrack to get me through a work day. And also by introducing uh, the most important relationship in gaming this year, short of Ellie and Riley, which is uh, Red and Sword Boyfriend. What did you think of the end? Uh, to be terribly honest with you, okay, I should say, really? Any, is... The only reason I say that out loud, because you could ask that to anyone this year, and you're lucky if more than one... You, you, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, sh- I say that the story in Transistor was one of the things that swept me away, but really, I think they handled the story really poorly. Did you beat the game? Yeah. Oh, my joke was, like, no one's ever beaten the game. I beat it. Because, like, yeah. even listening to all the end-of-year podcasts, even the people are like, I like Transistor, but I never got more than a couple hours into it. Oh, okay, you're the, the only person I've ever talked to who even heard of on a podcast, even on her own podcast, who has actually said, oh, I beat that game. 
I beat Transistor. I can say wow, that. Wow, you get a fucking little life, real life achievement for that. Uh, I really liked the characters and the place, and yeah, no, I I had liked, great aesthetics. I liked the moments in that game, but if you held a gun to my head, I could not describe you the story of that game. And oh, not that's that, unfortunate. Not that I don't pay attention, just that genuinely the way it was handled and the way narrative was was um, ladled out just did yeah. not. There wasn't enough there. It was there was a lot of confusion. See, I, I don't want to make it seem like a bad game too, because when I first fired up, I was expecting more of an action game like Bastion, sure. and I just got disappointed because I w- just wasn't in the mood for that kind of like game that it is, like this kind of like RTS kind of thing. Right. So I need to pick a, go back and pick it up again someday when I'm in the mood for that kind of thing. But I really liked what I saw, and it seemed like what they were doing was really interesting. Like, really, like how, like, you had all those different abilities that you can stack and combine with each other and stuff. Yeah. That's It seemed really deep and really cool, but, yeah, it just kind of bounced and Transistors off are both examples of, uh, like, someone who's making me eat my Brussels sprouts. Yeah, Where it's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. really don't want to play either of these types of games, but they're so beautiful, and the aspects of them are so compelling, I played them anyway. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it, enough to put it on my list. So, Bill, what else? Uh, I play Shadow of Mordor. You play as Troy Baker running around Mordor, stabbing people. And it's famous now because there's this thing where if you try to stab a guy and you don't kill him, he comes back and he's even angrier. And he'll suddenly show up while you're trying to kill another guy and then try to kill you. And lots of heads get cut off. And it's kind of dour and depressing, but it's really fun. And Shadow of Mordor is the best Assassin's Creed game of 2014. Ha ha ha! Trademark, copyright, Bill Mudgett Enterprises, 2015. That's pretty good. It's good. Shadow Mortar was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, 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 I feel sad that you, like you it didn't appeal to you or anything like. It was a good game though. I liked it. If you, if you were in the mood for that kind of thing, it was fun. But yeah. See, what's interesting is that that game is kind of the opposite of uh, Transistor in that it's the sort of gameplay where abstractly I might enjoy it, but everything around it, all the trappings of it, yeah. was so unappealing to me, there's no fucking way. It was all happen. like, boom, 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 And not even that. Music. Here's the and thing. And super and I hate Lord of the Rings bullshit. I know. And it is, you know what? And I know a lot of people actually dig Lord of the Rings hate that game because they kind of like, I guess they fuck with the, 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 the lore too much or something like yeah. that. Um Oh, yeah. it did, it did, hey, hey, it did have a uh, press X to kiss your wife button, though. Which a lot of people flagged on because kissing should not be the same sort of modes of interacting as murder. Contextually, oh, kissing and murder should not be the Yeah. Well, whatever. There's something you said about that, and there's also something you've said about telling that opinion to go fuck it. I still want to give thumbs up to Shadow of Mortar 2 for having that mode where they released this DLC later where you could play as kind of like one of the main female characters that you could unlock, that you could actually just play as default, like a skin for the main character, which is yeah. great. Female, I can't, I fucking hate female. Females. It's yeah, cool but... that it's free DLC, but yeah, yeah having a, little, a skin well, it's a little junky, not... but yeah, I know, yeah. And it's still, I guess she's still voiced by Tori Baker, too, yeah. so it's just Tori well, Baker. Per- and all the cutscenes, the cutscenes are all still what's his butt. Yeah, so. exactly, too, so. Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's Shadow of Mordor. Here's Shadow something that I have to put on my list of games that I enjoyed in 2014, even though it surprises the hell out of me. Yeah. Murdered Soul Suspect. Yeah, so what Murdered, was this again? Murdered Soul Suspect is the game where you are a detective investigating your own murder. This is was, I think, briefly a PS4 exclusive and then was not. Um, it came and went and no one noticed, really. Murdered Soul Suspect is, I will be the first person to say, not a good game. 
The dire art direction is weird. The voice acting is competent, but sometimes strange. The gameplay is not actually super good. The puzzles are not always that great. But at the end of the day, it is a game where for the most part, you are just in doing an investigative stuff. And the idea of a lot of that stuff is really good. Uh, Murdered Soul Suspect is the sort of game that in 15 years, I would want someone to remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, it, and it's the sort of game that I would want to do well, because I would like to play more games like that. Uh, was this a PC game? I, it came out for PS4, and I think later it was ported to PC. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, uh, I played it on the PS4, and I enjoyed it, but it's not a good game. Man, the protagonist is, like, the dumbest design. I have one of the dumber designs I've ever seen. Because you're, like, a grizzled detective. Oh my god, and your story is terrible! Oh, I forgot about you have all these tattoos, and every tattoo is about a part of your life. Like this tattoo of a drug needle is about how I did drugs, and this tattoo of a tombstone is about how my mom died, and this tattoo of jail bars are about how I went to jail. It's just like the worst. This it's is about like his. Uh, did the tattoos really start off on like the most remote part of his body, like crudely drawn? Like this is the first day I went to daycare. You see, like these tattoos, like zoom in of these terrible, Man. cheesy, shitty tattoos. Welcome to video games. It's just like, it's the worst. It is the worst. I don't know, Annie. That sounds pretty cool. Tell us the life of his story. But it's, it's kind of great at the same time. It's, <laughs> I think it is a bad version of a game that I want to play. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hot very topic much so, character uh, building. It's trying to riff off Heavy Rain pretty yeah. explicitly. And it's, uh, at the end of the day, I want to play more games like that, not less. The, it also gets credit for one of the dumber endings I've ever seen in a video game in a long is time. Is this out of alternate endings, or just the one ending is just really there's dumb? Just, I'm pretty sure there's just the one ending. I'm sure. Why, what happens at the end? Oh, Bill, I'm not going to spoil it. You find out who <laughs> murdered you. In Heavy Rain, isn't the killer the fat guy? Yes. Yeah, Spoilers okay. for Heavy Rain, by the way. Everybody. Spoilers for Heavy Rain. The cop guy, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, do, uh, I still have your copy of that. Hold on just a second, Bill. Oh, no. Do you have to poop? Oh, I have to poop. I didn't get I always have to poop. It's coming out of me. Out of my pores. Wait, Annie really just... Oh, I think... I didn't have the picture screen up of what your video feed was, so all I heard you say was... You just said, hold on, Bill, I gotta go. And then it's just the door slam, and I thought you were just, like, leaving the podcast in the most cartoony way possible. Murdered Soul Suspect is so bad, but kind of weirdly compelling. You just had to go, yeah. Him, you, had, but, you had to go have a moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I just had to close the door. So what else? What else? Bill, what else? I just said something on you. Man, so Over the Garden Wall, gameplay yeah. was fucking terrible. It seemed to be <laughs> mostly, like, this weird cutscene that kind of start, started and stopped in weird, Bill, like, like, five parts. 15 seconds. Why did you like sh Over the Garden Wall? Over the, the Garden Wall, it was pretty, and it was pretty, and it was cool, and there were songs, and there was a talking frog, and there were rock facts. Yeah. And Over what the Garden Wall was one of the most you, unexpected man, How do you summarize delights? Over the Garden Wall in 15 seconds without just sounding like you're crazy? Yeah. It, it was an unexpected delight. Uh, it was beautiful and strange and surreal and perfectly autumnal, and it just hit the spot. It looks like it's just going to be some Adventure Time, like, quirkiness for quirkiness sake, but it actually turns out to be really nicely. And great care, like, uh, great voice acting, like I said, great art and design mm. and stuff like, but, like, really good like characters. Music. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a really great cartoon. Good, good fucking music, great songs. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be watching that every uh, November, uh, first week of November from now on. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we watched it for Thanksgiving, and it will not be our last time watching it. And it's got a singing frog who, the voice of the singing frog is the guy who sang the Love Boat theme. That alone. (laughs) Yeah, if you go back and, like, yeah, you got look up that guy's credit, he sang Love Boat. Yeah, so... That's worth the price of admission by itself. Yeah. Uh, another gaming experience that I really enjoyed this year. I'm going to include them both together because they're both UBR. The U, the UBR oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, title initiative um, came out with Valiant Hearts and Child of Light, uh, two strange little games that were really flawed, but at the end of the day, really enjoyable. Experiences. I'm honestly surprised you put Child of Light on there. That being a game written by uh, Far Cry Three scribe Jeffrey Yolahim. Child of Light has some of the most annoying and relentlessly irritating writing I have ever seen in a video game. But mm-hmm. everything else about it is delightful. Aesthetically, uh, the gameplay is fun. There's a nice little gentle co-op element that was really enjoyable. Valiant Hearts is also kind of problematic in that it's a beautiful game. It has fun little puzzles, but ultimately it is kind of a... It's trying to be respectful and conscious of the events of World War One while making it into a cartoon puzzle game. Did you beat the game of Valiant Hearts? I did. I beat both those games. I heard about what the, the ending is, because I got about two-thirds of the way through that game, but that game is, Valiant Hearts, way too fucking long, though. Uh, you kind of get the point of it after a little bit, of, after a while, after, like, the first six hours. But I heard about the, what the ending it is, and the ending ending actually sounds pretty fucked up, too. Child yeah. of Light, who the fuck knows? You probably end up trying to... You know, doesn't Child of Light also end just like Far Cry 3 does, where you get the choice to whether or not to kill or save all your best friends? Yes. Yeah. The sex scene in Child of Light is weird. It's <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> No, uh, oh, no, man. Valiant Hearts, it tries to have its cake and eat it, too, and I don't think it succeeds in that regard. Um, it's hard to be cute and quirky and charming and tell a story of death and, you know, Yeah, all there's some, some fucking tonal dissonance in Valiant yes. Hearts, but, yeah. But, again, they're both things that I hope they're... I, I, I haven't heard anything else from Ubisoft about... It continuing this UBR engine experiment. I hope they keep doing it. I don't know if they will. They would have said something about it right now. You um, know, I, I still the, think. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say the the inclination I get from it all is that the, that those digital only releases were not successful enough to merit. Yeah, which is kind of experiment. a bummer. But and yeah. you don't think they would have had to sell too much before they were profitable because it's not like you know video games are expensive. I'm sure they would have had to have made like. At least probably like a quarter million or half a million dollars off of any one of those releases to make it worthwhile. Probably but, more than that. Yeah, I know probably more than that too. Yeah, but uh, I I still think Valiant Hearts is really interesting too because in more than the that, World War Two is getting distant enough in the in the history where you've got entire generations of, of people growing up right now who know nothing about World War One or World War Two yeah. and anything that still kind of like can educate people about World War One because uh, that's always been the least sexiest of those two wars to talk about. Mm-hmm. And now that it really is getting lost in the mist of time, it's it's really interesting to see a game that really goes out of its way to like not just educate you on the basics of World War, like this is how World War One started, but like just like the daily life of World War One yeah. and soldiers and nurses and stuff. That was really interesting, just from a, like an educational perspective. I thought it was really man. I didn't put this on my list, but I will say it, to kind of go with Valiant Hearts, Never Alone is a the hell is Never a, Alone was a game this year. It's uh, Never Alone is a um, a game that was developed by. And is about um, uh, First Nations peoples. It's I apologize. Oh, yeah. I can't is that the one with the kids uh, petting the wolf? It's a it's a fox, the snow fox. Oh really? And That's I apologize. Nice. I'm showing my showing my ignorance here. I don't know if they're Inuit or um, what exactly the culture that they're exploring. They're First um, Nations. Uh, but it's beautiful. And it is uh, enjoyable until abruptly it is not. Oh really? 
It's is it's a fun game and it has a really fun co-op element and I like that it's I like more marginalized voices having a chance. It's a game that's not dissimilar from um what is it, Papo Yo that came yeah. out a couple of years ago, where I don't necessarily think it was entirely successful, but I'm really grateful that it existed. Mm. Just to give a kind of a different perspective and a different sort of, of voice in games. So it's the newsroom of video games. Bill, if I were going to compare Never Alone to any other piece of of art, I'd absolutely go to the newsroom. So, first off. so when Never Alone gets its inevitable retail release, that's going to be the pull quote from Boy Howdy that uses the back of the box. Yeah, that's like it right the newsroom. There. Bill, what else? What else? What did I? Say? Oh, Legend of Korra. God, do we even need to talk about Legend of Korra more than we already have? We liked Legend of Korra. Le- yeah, Legend of Korra had its last two seasons aired within just a couple months of each other, and everyone seems to agree now that the last two seasons of Legend of Korra totally justify watching the Legend of Korra. That show turned out to be really good. Even all aside from all the shit about the ending aside, which everyone yeah. loved, but uh, even that stuff, disregarding that stuff, yeah, the last two seasons were really fucking good. Uh, it was a great slice of, like, what? like 20 episodes of, t- of cartoon television those really yeah. good times some good shit in that shit what else uh wasteland 2 another kickstarter game that i backed and got to play this year wasteland was so buggy that i could not actually beat it the fi- i got i managed what, to the original bu- wasteland wasteland 2 yeah that's what i keep talking about so i keep saying wasteland 2 Wasteland 2 is so buggy that I don't know, I actually... Wasteland, comma, 2. Oh, oh. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. No. Wasteland 2, number 2. Uh, I managed to muscle through half the bugs, but the last com- that last battle of the game crashed every time I loaded it up. Oh, really? I, so I never got to finish it. I actually literally yesterday, there, a patch downloaded. I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's playable now. Yeah, I was because that was like months ago you were playing that thing. Yeah. It is now playable. So Wasteland 2 is interesting. So the original Wasteland game is what pretty much... Uh, they wanted to make another Wasteland, could not get the license, and instead made Fallout. Mm-hmm. So Wasteland is kind of like a more Western-themed Fallout, whereas Fallout tends to take its cues from 50s uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wasteland is more Wild West stuff. Well, who made and, this game? Uh, it was a uh, in exile entertainment, uh, which is a lot of dudes, former interplay dudes. So it's it's actually people who worked on the original games then, mm-hmm. and yeah. and in the the main uh, dude is actually the dude who developed the original Wasteland. So so they just brought everyone over from the old games except for their quality control people. <laughs> well, you know, I did it, a big overarching game like that with all sorts of. Weird oh, I know, I know, I know. But like when your last boss do. battle keeps on crashing, that's pretty rough. It's but anyway, uh, Wasteland Two was an enjoyable experience. And if you are pining for an isometric RPG, it's not a bad way to go. Okay. Uh, it was interesting, like, I, we've talked about it in the past, and that my inclination was to approach it with the perspective, much like I do other RPGs, which is, I have a protagonist, and they are my lens, and it took me a long time to get used to the fact that Wasteland is about an ensemble. There is no lead, and any one of your ensemble can die. That's so, pretty hardcore, I like the sound of that. It's a it's an intriguing game and I do recommend it. And Is that it was on the Mac? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check that out sometime. It was I one of my. I mean, you've always raved about the Wasteland games. I love Fallout Three, but Fallout Three was my first game of any of that kind of type of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I'd be curious to see if you actually liked it. I I, yeah, I, who knows? But like, yeah, I mean, I didn't even like Far Cry, or not Far Cry Three. Uh, what the hell was the other Fallout? What's that? Fallout. Yeah, Fallout. What was the Fallout New Vegas? I couldn't even get into. Oh. Even though everyone seems to agree that that was better than Fallout Three, it is better. But than Fallout yeah, 3. <laughs> hey, anyway. they had fucking friends show up in that shit. I was like, I don't want to play as fucking friends. <laughs> God damn it. 
Bill, what else? What else? Clone Wars. Uh, Clone Wars uh, was did not debut in 2014. It did air its last season and did show up in on Netflix for the first time in 2014 uh, for a cartoon that seemed was seemed to be custom designed for me to hate it. It's a computer generated cartoon based off the prequels that take place between the last two Star Wars movies. And the main character of which is this character they invented just for the show who doesn't even show up in the goddamn prequel movies. Essentially a character shoehorned into the shitty continuity that already exists. Clone Wars should have been fucking terrible. And by all rights, the Clone Wars movie that they showed in theaters that was like the first couple episodes, uh, that was fucking terrible. That li was legitimately not good. But Clone Wars actually is uh, taken as a whole. God gets better and as a whole is actually surprisingly fucking good. Everyone keeps on raving about that, but I'm, I'm only one of those voices. But I do agree that, like, Clone Wars is pretty fucking cool. Surprisingly speaking, cool, yes. Speaking of things that are pretty fucking cool, fucking as much cool. as I enjoyed Wasteland 2, if I have to pick an isometric RPG oh, uh, yeah. that I enjoyed most this year, it was hands down Shadow Run Returns Dragonfall. Which I just bought. It is now a standalone title. It is on Mac, PC, and Linux. If you at all like old school CRPGs, I cannot recommend it highly enough. The world and characters of Shadowruns Returns Dragonfall is fantastic. The art direction is pretty dang good. Uh, the story is really enjoyable. Uh, it's just a great little experience. Go get it. Yeah, that's why I say. Continuing about Clone Wars, Bill says... No, I'm just kidding. What else, Bill? Okay, he got so quiet there. I thought maybe we had to discontinue. No, uh, uh, True Detective. True Detective was awesome. Again, it's another show everyone was raving about last fall, or last spring, whenever it came out. Uh, it's good. I seem to have liked the ending more than most other people did. Um, I guess with, like, detective stuff, when you have a big mystery, the reveal's always gonna be a huge point, and they did fuck up yeah. the ending. The, the, like, the reveal of who the bad guy was was fucking stupid as shit. Yeah. But totally, it was really cool. It's very prettily shot. Uh, the acting was really good. Um, there's a central kind of twist of the story that happens about halfway through the show, and that's actually this real, the highlight of the whole show. I would recommend if you watch True Detective, if you just watched, like, maybe episode four or five out of, I think there's only eight episodes. Even if you get to, if you ever watched the show, you would know what I'm talking about, Annie. Like, the kind of, like, the mid-season kind of high point. Even if you just stopped watching after that, that would be almost kind of, like, an interesting, like, end of the show. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was really nice to put together. It actually kind of lived up to most of the hype. It was really cool. Yeah, and especially, like, did you, did you watch any of it? No. Okay. Well, especially, like, it's it's taking place in the Deep South. And being about masculinity and stuff like that, I don't know. And I'm I'm born in Texas. I spent a lot of my childhood in Texas, and I kind of like I don't know. It kind of dredged up some gummy feelings in me that I was like, kind of like, yeah. this is kind of recognizable place and recognizable yeah. character archetypes and stuff like that. Aside from even like kind of like the Norish like mystery stuff, kind of the Southern Gothic kind of thing. Kind of was like, huh, oh, this is this is kind of interesting. I liked it. So hmm. I don't know. I had a soft spot for that TV show, even though I can admit it is far from perfect. But yeah, yeah it was actually I, I I did like it as much as a lot of the other people seem to. That's awesome. Uh, also, this year a game I played just to go totally in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, from, I know. Yeah, uh, True Detective uh, coming out on top. The gay visual novel that I backed on Kickstarter came out recently. I know I've talked about it recently on the podcast I won't go into it too much depth but I will say it's kind of the visual novel that I've always wanted to play it is good humor good characters um uh it is an adult uh uh visual novel I'll just Terrible say that to fucking title though who are inclined to go investigate it but uh, it's it's really charming and it's kind of what I want all visual novels to be mm-hmm 
Yeah, I saw NeoGAF actually just has a, had a thread on there too, which I'm kind of surprised to see a message board like NeoGAF with a bunch of people raving about the game. Now you go, Bill. Oh, okay. I don't know. No, 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 no. Uh, what's my thing? Uh, inside Lewin Davis uh, slash Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm kind of lumping yeah. these together because uh, I saw both these movies on a double feature. Well, a little self-made double feature last spring. Sure. And uh, they're both kind of morose good winter movies to watch. Uh, I am shocked that I liked Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, did you see that? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. What'd you think? I fucking hate Wes Anderson movies. I I hate his affected bullshit. The only one that I like is uh, Rushmore. Yeah, Rushmore's the shit. That's that's still my favorite Wes Anderson movie. can sit on a spike. But I (laughs) loved... Grand Budapest what Hotel. Did you, okay, now this is an Annie pick more than it's a Bill pick. What did you actually like about that? Uh, I liked the music. I liked the casting. I liked yeah. the sense of humor. I liked this. I think this was one where, um, my, so I have a, I struggle with a lot of his movies because the relationship between humor and melancholy, I feel, is not always as closely linked as it could be. Mm-hmm. As someone who experiences depression um, and has dealt with it, diagnosed since I was twelve. Uh, I, I'm very keenly aware of the relationship between humor and depression, and I feel like the way he has handled those things in his movie have been kind of schizophrenic to me, and they don't necessarily feel of the same, uh, the same cloth as much as it does in real life, and Grand Budapest Hotel, I think, really managed to balance that with the, with, with aesthetics that were cartoonish, yet felt very internally consistent, and a world that felt very internally consistent, and a world that didn't feel like it was too impossible also i do like that the framing device is literally a woman reading a book that is a person recounting someone else's story like that having that weird nested narrative yeah the that then therefore gives the artificialness and internal consistency and an internal expectation that made it much more appealing it it kind of like yeah it it, kind of gives a reason as to why the movie's so kind of screwed up Exactly. That's why everything is so heightened and strange. And... Yeah, because it's a story is being told from someone. Yeah, it's kind of like the the, 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 the what that what's that party game where you yell in someone's ear and say, "Hey, fuck telephone." Him. Yeah, and yeah. The, and the person says, "Hey, fuck you," and you say, "No, that's not right." That Play weird heightened right. aesthetic really, really worked for me. Yeah, so, no, yeah. That right, yeah. this was the year that I actually liked a Wes Anderson movie, which I thought was impossible. Have you not seen Inside Lewin Davis? No, I have not. It's got an orange kitten in it. And it's one of the starring characters. You should fucking love it. That's what you pitch me on every time we talk about it. It's a cute cat, too. Technically, it's two cats. But it's super goddamn cute. I like Inside Lewin Davis because it's great. Because if you're a self-loathing freelance artist like me, uh, you'll probably watch that movie and go, yeah, I can recognize some of myself in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's also got the villain of the new Star Wars movie as the funniest fucking character ever. The only part of that movie I know I have seen <laughs> is the clip of them doing the the yeah! song. That's the only part of the movie I've seen. Space Order. outer space. space. <laughs> That's all I've seen. <laughs> I think I got everything I need from Inside Blue. Really, I mean, that is the highlight of the goddamn movie for me. I mean, there's. That has nothing to do with the plot of the rest of the movie, but I yeah yeah that's yeah fucking hilarious. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm still going on games. Uh, yeah, another seriously, game you I've talked about at year. length, and I will not spend any more time here talking about, is Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. I think Dragon Age Inquisition was, in a lot of ways, them trying to make up for all the criticisms of Dragon Age 2 and, uh, to some extent, Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, in a way that you weren't really down with at first. I'm still, to be honest with you, not. 
the game that it is is not necessarily the game I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. uh, but I still really enjoyed the hell out of it and enjoying it even more the second time through, especially now that I've gotten used to the systems. And what I one of my favorite things about Dragon Age Inquisition, now that I think about it, and what I would highly recommend to anyone approaching in the first time, is start by playing the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Just because what I think is interesting is the multiplayer functions really it's well as kind play of... multiplayer with. Uh, it's one of the things I like about it is that it functions as a trial for all the various character classes oh, okay. that you can then do in game. I never oh, would that's have thought. An interesting idea. Yeah. Okay. I never would have thought that I would enjoy playing a mage as much as I did had I not been forced to play it by the nature of the Dragon Age multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, I like. I liked the Kingdom of Dreams and. Is, was this the Miyazaki documentary? This was... Now I'm suddenly going to go slow motion. Yeah, no, Kingdom of uh, Dreams and Madness was... Yeah, that's the Studio Ghibli documentary that came out. Uh, well, I first saw it back in, like, May, but it just finally got an, a, legal, a legal release here in the States just last month. Um, I know it's available to rent on iTunes. I don't know if you could buy it anywhere. iTunes may be the only way you could actually legally just check it out, but I don't know. I don't think there's been a retail release, and I don't think... You may only be able to rent it from iTunes, but not buy it. But it is super goddamn cool. Um, I freaked out about it on the podcast multiple times before. But yeah, it is just an hour and a half. uh, Just fly-in-the-wall, just slice-of-life documentary. Just depicting uh, Miyazaki, just directing his last uh, feature film at Studio Ghibli. And so, because it's just kind of fly on the wall stuff, there is you don't you don't have a narrator kind of describing a lot of stuff. It's it can be a little slow and boring if you're not really into Studio Ghibli stuff because a lot of it is just like here's thirty seconds of just relatively silent footage footage of a bunch of like artists at Studio Ghibli just drawing stuff. Mm-hmm. Here's here's just some footage of the studio cat just sleeping on a bench, mm-hmm. you know. But it's still just if you ever wanted to see what what the inner workings of Studio Ghibli was like. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really good uh, movie to check out. And it's interesting, too, because the character they actually tend to talk to the most is not actually Miyazaki, but it's his producer. And he's the producer who's in charge of all the movies at Studio Ghibli, not just the Miyazaki ones. And seeing him having to wrestle with both Miyazaki and the other big director they, that they have there and also trying to like you know set up like voice acting talent yeah. to come in and audition for stuff and yeah. trying to wrestle with like uh, the press and media and stuff that 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 i thought that was actually more interesting than even the miyazaki specific stuff <laughs> um but yeah it's a really nice documentary like i said a little slow a little pokey but really pretty and uh yeah just just it's a really great window into not just that studio but just kind of like the animation business in general yeah uh, and especially really in that awesome. moment in time exactly, huh. yeah uh, I, uh, this year, I think we saw a release of two episodes of Kentucky Route Zero, which continues to be a strange and delightful little game. Yeah, that's it's really not finished yet, huh? No, there are two more episodes yet to come. Yeah, it's okay. a game that is easy to make fun of. It's a game that is easy to point at and call pretentious and all these other things. But ultimately, it is a game about moments, and it, it is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the music. I love the aesthetics of it. And it is a lot of strange little moments that I have enjoyed so much. I hold that game close to my heart. I agree. Thumbs up. <laughs> Snapping my fingers. So. What you got, Bill? I got one last thing, because you liked so much more stuff in 2014 than I did. Uh, Bold Riley. 
Uh, this is a comic done by, uh, I can't even say friend of the podcast because I don't know if she even knows we exist, but Leia Wethington, who's a local Portland cartoonist. Uh, I have read her stuff before, and I've read, read Bold, Bold Riley before, but I'm working with her on a, uh, like, I'm drawing a map of the Bold Riley world for one of her comics. Uh-huh. And so that was instigation for me to go back and read all of the Bold Riley stuff in one big go, and I really love the goddamn Bold Riley series. Um, yeah, it's a self-published comic series by Leo Wethington. Uh, she won a Stumptown Award for writing for yeah. the series a couple years ago, and it is a really great little series about this, um, it takes place in kind of like this fantasy land of, it's kind of a mixture of kind of like, it's mostly kind of like this, like, fantasy India uh-huh. mixed in with some other, like, Southeast Asian cultures and stuff like that, and it's all about this princess who rejects her uh, ownership of the throne, or rejects her claim to the throne, and goes off on a whole bunch of adventures all throughout the, her kingdom, essentially. And it's like every issue is almost like a little fable about how, how she'll like get involved with like a talking bird and gets tricked into fighting like a giant like demon in some kind of temple or the, in this, or falls in love with like this tree goddess. And it's kind of too cool, too, because uh, 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 Bold Riley, she is super badass. Uh, she's bi, so she has lots of crazy, uh, sexy adventures with both the women and the dudes. Uh, the, uh, it's just, it's just really nice. It's a great, just little self-published adventure comic. Yeah. Uh, the artwork kind of flips and flips back and forth because she hires a different artist for every issue. So not every, uh, the artwork for every issue may not be to your liking if you ever check it out, but it's still just the writing I love and just that world and it's just good world building, great character. And, you know, it's one of those things where I hate to boil it down to like, I like it just because it's a strong female character, but yeah, it is, it's, 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 an, it's a nice punchy adventure story that just happens to star a really cool lady. So that's pretty rad. That's a good series. The adventures of bold Riley. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, to go on the fan service start of end of the spectrum, oh, no. uh, there was one bit of fan service that was, uh, also another Kickstarter thing that came to fruition this year. Uh, the Veronica Mars movie came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I enjoyed the series. I was a fan. It catered to me directly, explicitly, and implicitly, and I enjoyed being catered to. Also, I really didn't watch much in the way of movies this year, uh, but uh, other than Grand Budapest Hotel, the best times I had in theaters were two films. The Lego movie came out this year and was an unexpected delight. That was fucking great. Bill had to keep hitting me on the head to go see it. Y'all heard it on this podcast. Did Bill we? I me it's been really... Yeah, I, I was like, I'm gonna watch that movie. I would assume if you being like the Lego fiend that you would have been the first person. I don't know, yeah. Okay. Well, Bill, it came out before I got into Lego. Oh, really? Remember? Wait, yeah, you should okay, say. Maybe. Has it been when less I was... of the year? Yeah, I really, oh, okay. I got that that uh, Wolfpack tracker on my birthday. Granted, you're into, you're not into Lego as much as you're just into Benton, your Lego town. This was pre-Benton, Bill. I know. That's what I'm saying. And I was yeah. a big Lego fan in my youth. So, that's also uh, the one Lego of the year's movie, prettiest movies, too. Yeah, it, that movie is uncommonly beautiful. Uh, it is really funny. Genuinely funny. Uh, it's actually pretty well done and everything. The way mm-hmm. it kind of... I know Bill has been openly critical of its... Um, uh, the the way it kind of plays with the hero narrative, where there's a really talented woman and then there's a man who comes in and is actual hero. But I like the way it actually plays with that. Yeah, I mean, I acknowledge it lampshades it, at least. So it's not just... Cool, yeah. 
but uh, and also Chris uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, the dudes who did that movie, who also did the unexpectedly fantastic Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the cult favorite Clone High, and uh, though I've not seen them, the Twenty One Jump Street movies, and they this uh, later have a comedy series coming on Fox uh, called Last Man on Earth, starring Will Forte, where Spoiler, he is the Last Man, man on Earth. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit later. Those guys continue to be the most unexpected creators in Hollywood, and I'm um, always curious to see what. Man, they can you still not buy Clone High legally here in the states? Is that not? There a was thing? a DVD release. Is there a DVD release? Okay, guys, I, I own the DVDs. Get it from Canada or something like that. But yeah, if if you if you if anyone listening to this likes the Lego Movie, but you have not seen uh, Clone High, which is a cartoon series by the same dudes who made the Lego Movie, go check out Clone High. They flipped the bitch. <laughs> it's, it's some good shit, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, the other movie that I really enjoyed in theaters this year, and I was the only one who watched it, was, in fact, The Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise-Emily Blunt what, joint. What, you were the only person to go see it in theaters? Y- you and I, Bill, were the only people to go see it in theaters. I never saw it in theaters. I had to wait till it was on video. Oh, that's right. You never Yeah, because I was all like, eh. Everyone well, I didn't know who said, Emily Blunt was. Everyone like, said fucking Tom Cruise. I was totally. Movies, I well, I was, I was, I was the person who who they should have been marketing to because I would have loved the movie if I'd seen it in theaters. And it turns out it's actually good. And I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. I was like, oh, that Tom Cruise is hilarious in that because he gets murdered for uh, 15 straight minutes in that movie. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. That movie uses Tom Cruise to great effect. Yeah, it's really nicely conscious of other sci-fi tropes and things like that. Emily Blunt is amazing in it. It's a really fun movie. It is I worth that movie it. just to see that one shot of her doing push-ups and looking up Tom Cruise. That is like the fucking money shot in that goddamn movie. <laughs> and just to it? wrap things up, the three TV sort of things that I really enjoyed this year that Bill didn't touch on. Um, this year was the release of Broad City on Comedy Central, which is single-handedly one of my favorite goddamn comedy shows. I'm not a fan of pot humor, and I really struggle with depictions. Uh, I really struggle with depictions of young idiot white women who don't know what they're doing with themselves for obvious right reasons, but Broad City is amazing and is yeah. guaranteed to make me laugh every time. I love What's Her Face. The one half is fun, but the other one's fucking, oh my god. Alana is, uh, my friend of the podcast, Brendan Zidane, always says that she is the the first female Bill Murray we've gotten in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And she, really, think... Like if they, if they, like with Paul Feig's Ghostbusters movie, if she, yeah. it, it's going to be a small hate crime if she doesn't play. If there's going to be a Bill Murray type in that movie and she doesn't play that character, then that's like why you're even making Ghostbusters. Uh, Broad City is available free for Amazon Prime users here in the U.S. I cannot recommend it highly enough. The finale of that episode is amazing, and there's an episode where she picks up a UPS package from her neighbor that is one of my favorite. Uh, episodes of TV. Yeah, that's the episode you introduced me to that show with. Yeah. yeah. Also, this year, I discovered Kroll Show, and they released their second season, which uh, I think really brings it to to a peak. Fucking love Kroll Show. Nick Kroll played my plays my least favorite character on the league, and he is an unexpectedly amazing impressionist. For and... People who don't know who Nick Kroll is Annie had to describe this to me a couple times. Nick Kroll is. Uh, was it the douche? He plays Ruxin on, on yeah, the Parks and Recreation. Yeah, and he's yeah. the douche on the Parks and Rec. He is currently dating Amy Poehler. He's Amy Which Poehler's is horrifying. I'm kind of like, oh god. He's also apparently the son of one of the wealthiest people on Earth. Why, really? Yeah. So Good for Amy Poehler, then she could just keep on, she could just keep on writing comedies and filming them on her own moon base. That's how that works. Yeah. But wait, no, so who's, show... so who's the guy? Like, who's the rich? Like, is is he like fucking Saudi Arabian? 
his father is a dude named Kroll, who's, who's, who's I can't, I don't fuck, Okay, Bill, I'm, I'm Googling I, Rich Kroll. I've given you all the information I have. Um, anyway, Kroll show is a, is a lot, it, 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 to sum it up succinctly, is it is a spoof of reality television, and the characters and editing you see in reality television, the characters are spot on, the way it is shot is spot on, much in a way, is similar to Key and Peele, and that half the joke in Key and Peele is that the vis- visually it looks like that, which is spoofing, Kroll show takes that to the next level. Also, yeah. Jenny Slate is on it, and is yeah. amazing on it. Nick Kroll, so. whenever I see him, he looks like someone who's just eaten a human fart. He has a look on his face that's always like, eh. I, I of, am shocked that I love Curl Show because it is dumb, sometimes dumb boy humor, but I fucking I didn't love. realize he was one of the writers on Chappelle's show, which that right, right there is that that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, fucking love Curl Show. Finally, I'm going to call this TV show, even though it is not the last Kickstarter thing that came up to fruition this year, yeah. is being Puppy Cat, which has been fantastic and a delight. If you've not partaken in being Puppy Cat, I highly recommend it. It's a riff on anime, kind of magic girl stuff, uh, and I have never identified with a cartoon character the way I identify with B. Being Puppy Cat's pretty goddamn fast, fantastic. <laughs> so that was 2014. They put out that one new episode, right? Uh, they have had two episodes out, my friend. I think they're up to four. Oh, four shit. So. I gotta go check up on that, because I only saw like the first one or two they put out. Yeah, they released two in one go, so... Maguts. Anyway, Maguts. so that was 2014. Now allow us to look forward. Bill, let's Annie, look at 2015. Annie, this is the part where I grab you forcibly by the head and I say, hey, Annie, what you're looking at right now is the past. And then I revolve... Oh, that that's Annie's gas pains. And I that's revolve it. her head 180 degrees and say, Annie, that this is the future. We must that's talk right. about what we see. Bill, what are you looking forward to in 2015? Uh, Should we just like wrap this up? What's the old song that's like... There's an old. We didn't start the fire. Should we just chant out everything on our list? Just Bill, like, like a rap like that. What are you looking forward to in 2015? I heard there's going to be a new Star War. A what? A Star War. Where? The Force is going to awaken. Apparently. Wait, really? Uh, this rumor I've heard. heard about. Oh my god. I'm sure that we're the only podcast on Earth discussing that we're looking forward to a new Star War. Yeah. Uh, so are you really looking forward to, to this? I don't know if you, like... Yes! I would have talked about it, but I don't know if you were, like, emotionally invested or if you're just kind of like, eh, no, it might be kind of cool, but... My my heart was broken by the prequels along with everyone else's, but mm-hmm. I'm ready to enjoy a Star War. Yeah, no, I, okay, okay, okay. I, I don't want to, like, just, oh, you're a girl, so you do, you're probably not looking forward to Star Wars like I am. I just didn't know. I, I know you enjoy Star Wars movies. I just didn't know if you really cared that much about this new one. I care enough that I don't want to be spoiled by stuff. I care yeah. enough to exclude myself from every Star Wars spoiler gospel. Again, this is like an end of the woods thing for me too, where I'm like, I'm morbidly curious, and like, it could be terrible, and even if it isn't terrible, I still have the original thing there. It's not going to spoil what already exists. But I would like, it would be so great if this turns out good that I'm like, me, 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 me. But I'm trying to keep myself from getting too emotionally invested in this. But still, it's new Star Wars. See, my thing at the end of the day, I just want to have a Star Wars film that where I have fun. That's what I'm asking yeah. of the Star Wars. That's, which that's what I'm kind of worried about, because we need at least one more fun Star Wars movie, like the original Star Wars movie, that isn't totally burdened down by the weight of, like, prophecies and, like, oh, my God, the bad guys are winning and this. And, like, yeah, I would love, like, one more at least big big dump romp. Yeah. But we'll see if that's actually what it turns out to be. I don't know. If you've got, like, fucking uh, f- the fucking Gollum going around... The darkness and the light. It doesn't necessarily seem like like a romp, but we'll see what happens. Speaking of fun romps. 
Yeah, speaking of fun rops, Mad Max comes out. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I genuinely don't see how the movie can be as fun as the trailer No, this released. is the new Pootie Tang. The trailer? Is, I don't know if I'm going to see the movie because the trailer was so yeah. great. I feel like I owe George Miller $15 just for that trailer. Exactly. <laughs> It is kind of one of those things where we're watching the movie now. I'm already half expecting to go like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's – I remember – oh, this is from the trailer. Or like like while well, watching – getting towards the end of the movie going like, okay, what from the trailer have we had not seen yet? Oh, that's right. A big CGI thunderstorm. All Windstorm. I need is Tom Hardy to get a little beat up with that haircut and that beard. And then <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to pause the movie and masturbate. You know what so I notice that Mr. F has a robot arm. <laughs> Man, it makes me sad because apparently Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron hated each other during that movie and had a miserable time. Supposedly Tom Hardy has a lot of hard times with a lot of other... Like, I don't think I've heard of him being in a movie where he did not have a hard time with the other person. It sounds like he's a really moody, sullen guy, and that throws a lot of other people off. Uh, it's it's one of those things, like, knowing how much Catherine Ross hated Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah, that's a bummer. Where it's kind of like... Well, supposedly he gets really moody because if he gets goes for too long without being around puppies, That's he it. gets really sullen and like. Also, can't... next year, Tomorrowland is released. Uh, Brad Bird's a weird Disney uh, Andrew Ryan movie with George Clooney. Yeah, which everyone's already saying is like just his version of Bioshock, which kind of makes sense because Brad Bird's whole thing is let special people be special. Um, it, but yeah, be I, I, it could be cool. And again, it's a big budget blockbuster movie starring a lady which yeah. that's kind of cool and i, I, I saw this week um uh duncan jones he was ra- ranting on twitter about how he was trying to get some kind of project started off the ground starring a uh, with a female lead i don't know if he was talking about um was it hush not hush uh, what was oh the, his what, thing about the Berlin bouncer that was inspired? Yeah, the by Berlin. Yeah, uh, about oh, I forgot what the fuck it was called, but like I think he it was, was talking hush. about for the longest time, like. Yeah, which, they, like, whatever project, well, I don't know, anyway, he was talking about how he, whatever project it was, he was trying to get a new movie off the ground starring with a female lead, and he could not. And he was, like, lamenting the fact that you, like, you know, Duncan Jones, he's a pretty popular director now, you think he would have enough clout to even get a relatively medium-sized movie with a female lead made, but even he couldn't do it, so that's, oof. anyway, but, yeah, but Tomorrowland, hey, that's, we'll see what happens. It does have George Clooney... Which I guess kind of counteracts the fact that like, you've got a female lead, but it's like, hey, it's George Clooney. That, you know. But. There are two new Pixar movies on their way. Wait, two new movies in 2015? Yeah, I forgot that there's actually two, and they're both new original movies and not sequels. Because I know there's the emotion-y movie, what is it called? Inside Out. Inside What's the other Out. Pixar movie? And the second one is... <laughs> I can't think of a good joke. <laughs> The second one is The Good Dinosaur. Um, oh, have we seen anything from The Good Dinosaur? They just released a logo this week, which is just the on white text on a black background. It just says The Good Dinosaur. It's not like there's even a picture of a dinosaur on it or anything like huh. that. Uh, supposedly The Good Dinosaur is about a kid who uh, ends up adopting a dinosaur. <laughs> That's all we know about the plot. Uh, this is one of those movies that that Pixar has been working on forever, and I think may have changed directors a couple times. Yeah. Uh, Inside Out is uh, by Pete Doctor, who he hasn't done much. He only made Monsters Incorporated and Up, which were two of the more depressing, unfunny Pixar movies. <laughs> this is true. So Inside Out might be some sad ass sappy bullshit. I think maybe. Uh, Pete Doctor, man, if he if he fucking. If he said, hey, Bill, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put this gerbil in your butt. I'd be like, you know what? Most people, I wouldn't allow this, but you're, you you made Monsters Incorporated an up. 
You get to do whatever the fuck you want to do with my butt. You can put whatever you want wherever my you want. That, that's going on the back of Inside Out's <laughs> DVD. Um, oh, dear Lord. He okay. did the voice. I think he was the one who did the voice of Doug. Even if he only did the voice of Doug. Man, we just lost two viewers. <laughs> um, he did not. He voiced, uh, he did do a voice it up, but he voiced Campmaster Strouch, everyone's favorite. Oh, wow, yeah. that's I Man, I've got three of those action figures. Okay. So, keep it clippy. Uh, Bill, next year, did you know that Chappie comes out? The next ah, Chappie, I don't Blomkamp? know. I still haven't seen Neil Blomkamp's other movie, but hey, it's another Neil Blomkamp movie. I don't know. Yeah, what this... was the name of Neil Blomkamp's last movie? Was it, like, fucking... Wait, what? Was... Oh, uh, Elysium. Elysium, yeah. yeah that's what I mentioned that before, and I still haven't seen that because it looks so stupid. Again. Then again, Chappie does have, like, a rapping robot that's it kidnapped by rappers. It is a robot with bunny ears. Oh, man. <laughs> what's that it's got a robot with bunny ears i know it kind of looks like if uh optimus prime had a screwed up kid that's kind of what chappy looks like yep right. optimus prime he's got ears right yes he does yeah, that's what I'm saying. So next year the movie I- i'm actually really excited about hateful eight which will be tarantino's next western mm-hmm. i wish it- i want him to do just another goddamn women revenge movie just because i find those so emotionally satisfying you know but- what they're crazy. If 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 you know how they send out little packages to movie reviewers saying, "Hey, go see our movie." If they do not put out an hateful eight ball that you shake, <laughs> that just says "fuck you." It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Bill. one, just a picture of just angry Bruce Dern. <laughs> Fuck oh. you. Okay, we're um, at two and a half hours, so we're gonna. Be I know, I know, but Hateful Eight, yeah, it has a crazy cast. It's got a Hud Sucker Proxy in it, which I think that is interesting because Hud Sucker Proxy hasn't been anything in a million years. Um, yeah, so you got stuff. It's cow- more cowboy western shit. He's totally on this I, western yeah. kick. I'm, I'm down. I and, really and want history a Lady Vengeance that, cowboy movie. Yeah, and period movies seem to be where Quentin Tarantino seems to do his best work because, like, his all of his all of his period stuff seems to be really fucking awesome so far. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, Parks and Rec's having a finale, mm-hmm. uh, which will make me cry like a little baby. Yeah, did you see, like, they're not even debuting it along with all the other shows coming back? Like, they've just, like, consigned it to, like, middle of February, and they're just gonna burn off all the episodes in a row, but, like, it, hmm. I didn't realize this was a big deal, but I saw, like, the, the people were just talking about whatever time of the year that they're gonna air. It's supposed to start off next uh, month. But supposedly February is where uh, networks tend to, like, unload, like, their unwanted stuff. Hmm. So Park sounds like they're just kind of dumping Parks and Recreation. Supposedly, I have no idea what about the inner workings of the television industry. But it sounds like, yeah, this is kind of being, kind of like, eh, we're just going to get rid of this. Community is coming back. Yeah, on Yahoo. Speaking of getting rid of shit that no one wants. <laughs> it's coming back on Yahoo. Which, God knows, community can be funny, community can also be terrible, and Yahoo is nothing but terrible. <laughs> not to say it's there, it's, it's not like all the characters are suddenly going to be working at Yahoo telling you about how great Yahoo An- Actually, man, you know what? If they got a job all working at Yahoo Answers, <laughs> they should have embraced- just turns into a bim-bam thing. Yeah. yeah! Oh my god! And actually, yeah, you suddenly, yeah, the, the McElroy brothers are writing the new uh, season of Community. Um, but yeah, what else? Uh, a new show will be coming from Tina Fey. Yeah, uh, Tina Fey, uh, more, uh, specifically, it's Tina Fey and the person who, uh, helped co-create 30 Rock. They're working on a new show. We talked about this last week, right? I think we did. Yeah, and so, it actually, it sounds like a little bit of a 30 Rock setup, too, where, 
Um, it's about this white girl in New York just doing New York stuff. Except instead of uh, it being Tina Fey this time, it's going to be... Yeah, it's it's the Ellie sec- Kemper. Yeah, yeah, it's the secretary from the office, and she is playing a lady who was who grew up inside a cult, who has escaped that cult and moved to New York City. <laughs> That's a really good potential set. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't like... I When I first heard it was just Ellie Kemper in New York, I'm like, well, that's, that's okay. But I find out she's grew up in a cult. <laughs> comic potential right yeah there. we'll see what happens but like that that's it should be kind of it should be chuckleicious we'll see what but happens. in other in the news of other and other unexpected tv shows better call saul will be launching <laughs> yeah which this i'm there's gonna be it sounds like such a stupid show that I, i'm kind of worried that there may be too too many expectations layered on the show i mean it's a spin-off you know, from breaking bad breaking bad was created by vince gilligan who was a showrunner for the X-Files, and you know what? He decided that a really good idea would be to stop working in the X-Files and make a little spin-off of it called The Lone Gunman. So- yeah, was that that was uniformly <laughs> terrible, right? That's the pedigree we're talking about here, so we all look forward <laughs> no! to better console. <laughs> I never now you phrase it that way, now I feel bad for even putting it on the list. <laughs> was cool at least no, I, this is, i'm intrigued at least this is a spinoff involving a fun character have you actually did well, you ever see much breaking bad i've never and will never watch breaking bad okay so i don't know if you're even familiar with the character that well i will say this the thing about x-files and the lone gunman is that everyone one of the reasons why i mean it was not a very good show but it was so totally different from the x-files it was such a different show from the x-files yeah. i can't help but think of what will the lone gunman of Breaking Bad <laughs> Breaking Bad was already kind of goofy enough that like this is this would seem to be kind of like a more comedic thing. Yeah, it's a TV show starring Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. But it, it's still like they have some of the cast members from Breaking Bad coming back like his henchman Mike who is played Oh man, you haven't seen Community, so I don't know if you've ever seen the guy who Oh, uh so his henchman is um what's his name's dad from Parks and Recreation? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the old bald ben dude. Dad. Yeah, and he's a character that everyone loved from Breaking Bad because this is a prequel. Spoilers, that character did not survive very long in, a bre- in the Breaking Bad, but he now, because it's the prequel, this, this kind of shows how these characters met. Ah, we'll see. It could be terrible. Who knows? But it should at least be kind of funny, maybe, kind of, sort of. Who knows? We'll see. Indeed. So, yeah, it's better call Saul. Woof. Uh, I know, yeah, woof. Shut up. All- uh, oh, yeah, as we mentioned, uh, Lord Miller's Last Man on Earth will be coming out. That will be intriguing. I'm just curious to see how the hell you make a show about the last human being on Earth. So. Yeah, especially, I saw what's his face. Who's starring in that? It's, it's Will it's, Forte. Uh, yeah, and he's the guy who voiced Lincoln on Clone High, right? Yes. Yeah, he was that's also an SNL cast member. Guy. He played uh, Jenna Maroney's lover and impersonator on 30 Rock. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that, yeah. yeah um so yeah that should be again that'll at least be interesting to see what that turns out to be even if it's not like the best thing ever made but yeah those two whenever those two are involved in a production it's usually worth watching at least once like they for example they created uh brooklyn 99 which is a a darn fine show oh man brooklyn 99 chelsea peretti oh my housemates and i were freaking out about chelsea peretti the other night she's freak outable we were like trying to explain to them who like uh, we were trying to explain to a friend who chelsea peretti was in her style of comedy and just like yeah uh uh, all the dumb star wars stuff marvel will be publishing and reprinting oh yeah this is more specific bill stuff that bill's looking forward to in the future but yeah just uh now that uh marvel has the star wars license again it'll be interesting to see like what kind of stuff they may be reprinting from the marvel viewers versus like what kind of new dumb stuff they may be coming out with this year that's no guarantee that any of that's 
stuff is going to be any good. Yeah. But just will be just interesting to see what they can crank out because Marvel has such a weird history with Star Wars to begin with. It's like even if, from a reprinting perspective, they have so much dumb shit that they could dredge up. I'm I'm almost surely will dredge up. Uh, just just for, you know, for that, yeah, got to get that cash in money. Yeah, that quick cash in. Yeah, uh, but we'll see what they do with the with all the kind of stuff. Then I there mean, are. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bill. No, go ahead. There will be a slew of video games coming out next year, and we'll we'll just rattle them off here real quick. Oh, okay. We're gonna have Broken Age Part Two. We're gonna have Bloodburn. Uh, it should be Bloodborne. Excuse me. <laughs> Bloodburn Blood is, is that, my. Is that what happens when you're giving birth so fast? The baby yes. scorches your cooch on the way out. That is you get a Bloodburn cooch scorch. That's correct. <laughs> it fires uh, out like a Lego rocket. Uncharted Four. I forgot the char- I know. I had to go back and put Uncharted Four in here. I totally forgot Uncharted Four is coming out this year. I will, it'd probably be like December. T- if it does not get pushed back out to 2016, I will. Eat my How ass. is that going to get pushed back? It's been like eight years since the last. Uncharted you game. are so funny, Bill. Dear, Le- Left Behind came out 2014. Annie, 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 Annie. Let us let's let's rewind the clock about a year and a half. When I a couple months before these consoles launched, I was like. Man, they're crazy if they don't put out a next generation version of of Last of Us. And you're like, you're crazy. They they don't have enough time or money to be putting out a next generation console. They got to be working on Uncharted Four. What happened a year later? Guess what you could buy on PlayStation Four? Last of Us. We're gonna get Uncharted Four this year. I can guarantee it. Sony will just to have that exclusive for this Christmas. Yeah. Sony will hire all of China. To work See, on the game, it'll be this, badly these are all coded. This reasons why I don't want to have. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, it's gonna happen. It, that game will come out this year. It may be mostly, uh, uh, like an iPhone game. With I was, with all of the creative uh, and uh, uh, personnel overhaul, like and, and disruption that have happened at Naughty Dog, the best thing that could happen to that game would be pushed out of 2016. Well, did you but... see they're hiring Troy Baker to do all the voices in the game now, right? Even... <laughs> okay, I'm gonna keep this snappy. Troy We're Baker does going. a good Nolan North. The Witcher Three comes out, which has two ladies in it, and therefore I'm twice as interested as I was before. It has two ladies? What? It does. You should look it up. Yoshi's what? Woolly World what do you comes mean, what out. What it has two ladies? Well, most games that live at least have two ladies. We're gonna finish this. So help me God. Uh, the Claymation Kirby game's coming out. Why that also looks cute as hell. No, no, no. What? Okay, so okay, Witcher Three has two ladies. Yoshi's Woolly World, which everything looks like it's made out of knitted yarn, looks beautiful. Okay, yeah, go ahead. It looks really cute. There's a Claymation Kirby game coming Which out. everything looks like it was made out of clay. Okay, that's good. Uh, Zelda Wii U, which looks beautiful. Yeah, who knows what that's going to be. It sounds, sounds like Skyrim Light, but who knows. Yeah. Uh, no Man's Sky is coming out. Something in a Mighty Number no. 9. Mario Maker, which looks cute as hell. Yeah! No one's going to buy a Wii U for it, but it's going to be existing. That's right. Uh, more Banner Saga. Yeah, they, have, they haven't year. said when that's coming out, right? Uh, it's going to launch on PS4 too, so I'm not sure. Exactly Man, I nice. just bought that for the... Man, I should still wait for that to come out on PS4. Banner Saga? I love that Man, shit. Cause I like uh, there will be a Kickstarter for more Shadowrun Returns, which I'm really excited about. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, set in Hong Kong. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I thought that was already Kickstarted and that was going to come out this year. I didn't realize they were going to have to they do a Kickstarter no. this year. Because, yeah, yeah, if they're just doing a Kickstarter this year, it's going to be a while before we actually see that. Yes, but I'm still looking forward to it. Okay. Um, also, uh, this year we were... Are, actually, next week, I think, there's going to be the Agent Carter series, which is the spinoff of Captain America starring that badass Agent Carter lady. I've never seen the first movie, but I hear she's pretty badass. She's kind of great. And finally, what I'm most looking forward to in 2015 is finally. 
Her name's Haley Atwell. That's true. Elmo? Uh, finally, next year, in 2015, oh. we are getting the release, as Bill teased earlier, of Carol, which is the movie adaptation of The Price of Salt, one of the first, arguably the first lesbian novel to have a happy ending. The first Korosami. <laughs> the first Korosami. Wait, so this is a sequel? A sequel to what? To Price of Salt. No, it is a movie adaptation of a book called Why is it Price called Carol? Because Price of Salt is a weird title. Carol is even weirder. Carol, it's the name of a character in it. But you should call it, like, what did Bill, you have Star you heard this crazy Star Wars movie episode out called six. Annie. Luke. Guess why it's <laughs> called Annie, Bill? It's gonna blow your mind. Carol? Bill, she had a better into name the woods. Carol. Guess why it's called It's like woods, your grandma's Bill. name. Wow. Okay. They don't want money well, then, I guess. You, would you, how at least the price of salt. Goyles kiss in the 50s. At least the Everybody price of salt. Everybody comes to sitting there wondering, Goyles. what is the price of salt? Five ninety nine. Carol, it's just like, okay, it's Grandma, the movie. It has Kate Blanchett as a uh, as a, a woman, a, a divorced woman in the 50s who starts a relationship with uh, Rooney Mara, who plays a young woman in New York City. It's it's a good book, and I'm really Oh, I did see a preview like. of this. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know why I didn't freak out about the title then, but now. Okay, cool. Carol, fuck you. Carol! <laughs> anyway. You know what I'm thinking? Because I think that's the mom's name on the Brady Bunch. And I think that's why it's, I'm just like, Carol. Just, that's all it takes It sounds Bill. like someone's mom's name in the 70s. Uh, real quick, a uh, friend of the podcast, Jacob, emailed us his top ten from last year. The things we did not touch on that he did was uh, Dark Souls 2, which I actually think you did touch on. Maybe not. He really Dark liked Souls Dark Souls 2. Dark Souls 2 was pretty good. He really liked Bayonetta 2. Are we going to review his list? Well, I'm just, I'm touching on the things he he talked about that we did not. Okay. This was my context for it. Amnesia, Machine for Pigs, which I actually got in a, uh, a humble bundle and will never play. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And supposedly that's actually a bad sequel, too. Uh, he said he liked it because uh, he said it's game better at being Bioshock than Bioshock is. Ah, okay. He says it manages to be horrifying and thought-provoking at once. Um, uh, Legend of Grimrock 2, a game I have barely heard of. It's a good Transformers game. Uh, is, exactly. Grimrock, is Grimrock not one of the... Uh... Uh, uh, dinosaur robots? Dinobots? Uh, I don't know, but he says it's an almost perfect amalgamation of portal-style puzzles and RPG mechanics. Ah, okay. Uh, Persona Q, which a lot of people on my friends list have been freaking out about. You know what? I still need to get my copy of Persona back from you, too, sometime. Yeah, yeah. And then he really liked, he put Destiny on here. Oh, Um, poor poor Jacob. I feel so bad. Uh, just because he says it, it plays extremely well, and, um, uh, it has a strange sort of appeal. Yeah, he also so. says his favorite album was St. Vincent, which it's funny that neither of us put, like, music or books on our list. Well, all the books I read are books that I would never discuss with you on this podcast. Ah. And, uh, out music, <laughs> I'm a weirdo with music. Like, I don't... Bear's Den. I, we, we, we got into some bands like Bear's Den I really got into this year. Um, I'm listening to Hozier along with everybody else right now. Um, but yeah, the music I've been listening to the most lately is, like, the Transistor soundtrack. And, like, Missy Elliott. That's what I've been listening to lately. Timbaland's been Man, I've been there. listening to uh, Nicki Minaj's new album, Pink Print, on loop lately. It's not very good, but it's still good, just, like, background, just, like, fucking around music. Uh, anyway. Oh, my gosh. So that is the past and the future of Boy Howdy right there. There are so many things. I was going to say, there's a part of me where I'm like, 
compiling a best of 2014 list, I was just like, listen to our fucking podcast for last year. This is all we talk about. No, people do like to hear like a year. Oh, no, no, like no, no, in, no. You know, like. No, I know. But I, there was a part of me I'm like, what am I going to say about Dragon Age Inquisition that I haven't said at all? You could have said so much more if, you, if you'd if you let yourself, though, is the funny this thing. This is true. This yeah. is true. So, yeah, it was a pretty good year, all things said. Even though we have to say it, 2014 was a shitty year for gaming. With, as a, as, uh, a just, as a, with all the Gamergate bullshit, like you could not have made a more terrible and uh, alienating year for gaming. But the games themselves were. Uh, it was. Pleasant. I mean, as far as big stream mainstream gaming, it was kind of a really quiet year. It was a rebuilding mm-hmm. year, quote unquote. But yeah, no, there was still lots of fun stuff that came out. Yeah. And the Clone Wars came out on Netflix. <laughs> and so, if you were upset by games at the time, you could say, "Hey, I just want to see what Ahsoka Tano's up to." <laughs> That's all you need. Well, friends, as always, we are at Boy Howdy Podcast on Twitter. Howdy at BoyHowdyPodcast.com is a way for you to email us. You can also use the contact form on our website. Uh, we are on iTunes. You can tell people how bad we are. And we'll talk to you all next <laughs> Have week. you ever still looked up any of your reviews on iTunes? Uh, no. I've never. Well, we've been broadcasting for three years now. and I. Oh, still I, we've looked at some of our reviews in the past. I've not looked in a while, nor shall I. Because oh, no. I've never even. Like, every, like, I was just on iTunes last night to, uh, to spend an iTunes gift certificate. And there was a moment where I was looking at some other podcast reviews. And I was wondering if I typed in Boy Howdy what I'd find out. And I was like, I just can't. Realistically, probably no one since the last time we looked. Yeah. <laughs> Alright friends, thank you as always for listening to our dump garbage for another year. We will continue in 2015 to explore all the things we are enthusiastic about, which is to say, get ready for a lot more bullshit Lego Legends talk. Oh my god. Hopefully we can kind of like, now that like Christmas is over, like we'll come down from the Lego Mountain a little bit. Yes. Yeah, uh, we'll We'll see. see. (laughs) Alright friends, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, take care guys. Thank you.